0: Hey guys, welcome to the Left Lane Zoomers, another podcast here. We've got some news coming up. We've got some stuff on Mitch McConnell, um, as well as weed legalization in New York and Virginia. Biden also wants to increase the military budget. There was an Amazon unionization failure that happened, so we're going to cover that too. Um, the CIA came out and said some stuff, and there are some developments with Matt Gates. And We might talk about other stuff if it comes up. Um, aside from that, we want to do some political education revolving around anarchism, and then we'll conclude by laughing at some idiots. That's our okay. show for today. Uh, we'll we hope you enjoy it. So I guess we can get started with uh, Mitch McConnell talking about um, uh, corporate donations,
1: if you want to yeah. take Well, so recently, uh, Georgia uh, had one of uh like basically a a new type like Jim Crow type like uh voter suppression laws and so and then there was like I forgot where it was it was like at uh I forgot which company it was they uh came out and said like we should be helping to like make sure minorities can vote and basically corporations you know being woke and like this is for a good cause but still like i don't trust corporations to be serious about this kind of thing but that's not necessarily what we're talking about here anyway mitch mcconnell who supports these voter suppression efforts in georgia uh came out and said uh corporations should stay out of politics uh but donations are okay and he says and like the reason why he says that is because mitch mcconnell probably takes the some like the most corporate money out of all everyone in congress or he's up there and it's just really interesting a really interesting angle is that you know the what
0: is it the supreme court decision i and i'm blanking on what it was um you know decided citizens united yeah yeah that's it citizens united they decided that political donations counted as speech and i guess for mitch mcconnell they still do but real speech they, they should cut that out they should cut out the actual yeah. speech but the money is fine Sort of undercuts the Citizens United position just a little. Was it,
1: was it Citizens United? I think that was Buckley v. Valeo that officially ruled like money as free speech, and then Citizens United said that you know, like uh, corporations could give like essentially like unlimited money. Oh, sure. Okay. I I think you're right. I
0: think that's it. Citizens United I don't know. is.
1: I, I could be. Wait, what he's on.
0: talking about here are big corporations, right? Yeah. And the donations he's referring to aren't, like, you know, individual donors, you know, professing speech in that way. He's talking about big corporations getting a lot of money in exchange for
1: favors. Hmm. I think so I, I Googled it. So Buckley v. Vallejo mm-hmm. um, was a landmark decision of the Supreme U.S. Supreme Court on campaign finance. A majority of justices held that limits on election spending in federal election campaigns. Uh, in the Federal Election Campaign Act of 1971 are unconstitutional. And, like, I think that was based on, you know, money is free speech.
0: Okay, yeah, I think
1: you're right. Um, What's relevant here from my
0: perspective is that these are big corporations whose speech literally is, you know, being impugned by Mitch McConnell, but whose speech in terms of money is
1: being, you know, Mm -hmm. totally... Accepted as usual with open arms. Yeah. So, and I think Mitch McConnell also tried to backtrack on it. And he's like, he's like, okay, like, I'm like, corporations are allowed to have opinions. Of course they are. It's just, so he's just kind of, I don't know, he's kind of taking the coward's way out.
0: I'm a little surprised, though, because normally when corporations take up these more liberal or leftist opinions, they're doing it as, like, a publicity stunt or, or something. Yeah, yeah. and they're, they're not really genuine. So it surprises me that he decided to comment on that. Yeah, which, yep. <laughs> um, That's kind oh. of a story, but I think it reveals, you know, it reveals about Mitch McConnell what we already knew, I guess.
1: <laughs> He's just a hypocrite. He doesn't really believe in anything. He just cares about maintaining power. And you know he was actually largely able to do that because Chuck Schumer is such a wimp. You know he kind of said like, okay, like even though we're technically going to have the majority, we're going to like do dual control type thing. Like, like when it comes to like committees and things like that, we're just like, no, Chuck, no, just why? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah. Or what? What? what what's the impression? chuck schumer that always gets it's like oh my god chucky schumer (laughs) Jeez, (laughs) oh my god chucky schumer just like old new yorker
0: that's such a good like old new york jewish voice yeah the cartoon voice is always used for those sorts of characters
1: yeah (laughs) i don't like i think when you know before covid we were going like in high like you know, when I still was in high school before COVID, uh, we were going to do a uh, little Shop of Horrors, and the guy who was playing, like, Mr. Mushnick, was trying to, like, do that kind of accent. Yeah, okay. Uh, I don't know. If, if any, I, I know, was gone I by know, that I, time. Yeah, you, you had already graduated by that time, and I was about to. And, and like, yeah. In fact, like, the day that everything shut down, or like you no, know, it was the day before things officially shut down. We were talking about the possibility of school shutting down. It's like, okay, we'll be this it's possible that this is the last time we rehearse at, until after spring break. And it's like <laughs> Yep. How did that play out?
0: Did you rehearse yes. again?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we met on Zoom a couple times to recite lines because we thought, oh, there's hope we can probably do something to pull this off, and it never happened.
2: Yeah. But... <laughs> uh, well, well,
0: we can move on to the next story, I suppose, unless we have more to say about Mitch McConnell.
1: I mean, he's an idiot. That's pretty much all. We... He's an idiot and a hypocrite. And he's corrupt. That's pretty much all we have to say about that. Great. Uh, Yeah, Charles Booker would have won. I don't know. (laughs) Probably. I think he would have at least had a better chance than Amy McGrath, otherwise known as CIA Karen. Yeah,
0: definitely. Definitely. Um, The next thing that I mentioned is that um, the state legislatures in New York and Virginia have decided to legalize weed. Uh, I don't know that much about what New York is doing. Maybe you can speak to that. In Virginia, it was 2024. uh, Weed was going to be illegal recreationally for people over 21. Uh, It's moved forward, so now it's going to be July 1st of this summer. Um, Pretty insane. Uh, Yeah.
1: It's
0: it's a big deal. It happened so uh, fast, uh, too. It's a big deal for a historically southern state like Virginia, especially the surrounding states just about are still
1: very anti-weed. Yeah, Virginia is actually the first state to fully legalize it, like for recreational use. And there's a couple states down here that I think have it legal for medical use. Like I think Mississippi did that through a voter, uh, for like a voter initiative back in November, and like to like legalize it medically. But yeah, Vir- Virginia is the first state, uh, to legalize it recreationally in the South, mm-hmm. which is and. You know, I thought they were going to be one of the last states overall to do it because the tobacco lobby is giant in Virginia and like the same can be said for New York. the, the alcohol lobby is giant in New York as well. And so like both and you know uh, it is at a point where it's like so both California ha- California's had it legalized recreational for recreationally for a couple of years now. New York is going to legalize it and the timelines to legalize it is like a, a couple of years. Uh, similar to, like, what it was going to be like in Virginia. But, like, now that New York has legalized it, California has legalized it, like, all of, like, the biggest, like, the states with the biggest economies have legalized it. Like, it's inevitable that it's going to be legalized at a national scale sooner or later.
0: And Virginia is in such close proximity to Washington, D.C., that it's
1: also significant in that sense. Well, yeah, it's been legal in D.C. for a bit now as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So, like, the thing is, like, what fascinated me about, like, about Virginia, especially since I thought originally it was going to take so much longer to uh, legalize it. Um, it's like it happened so fast. Like I, we first heard about it, like when they initially legalized it and they had the timeline set to, for it to be fully le- legalized in 2024. Um, like we first heard about that, like after it had already passed both state houses and, like, I figured, you know, like, we should have we should have been on top of this shit, because we keep up with it, at least somewhat closely. And it, know, was we decriminal- mostly-
2: it
0: was
1: decriminalized not too long ago, and that snuck up on me, too. I, I didn't know it was, well, oh, yeah, like, Ralph Northam decriminalized it through an executive mm-hmm. order, I think. But, like, we've had CBD oil legal here for quite some time, but that does shit, right?
2: i don't know
0: it relaxes you i mean it has noticeable effects but it's not weed you know it's
1: well like it's, i'm not talking about like weed. the effects yeah. on a human being but like the effects on like society in general. oh yeah
0: no it, it's absolutely yeah it's bunk it does nothing <laughs>
1: yeah but um yeah like i think the the happy conclusion is that it will be legalized on a federal level eventually that is inevitable it's just a matter of when
0: like it's i know like, the biden administration i'm pretty sure
1: or at least he won't do it through executive order, which he is able to do, like, he's able to just, like, write it off of the scheduled drugs list, like, he could potentially Mm -hmm. legalize every drug, or at least decriminalize it, right, which, like, Mm -hmm. even, like, if he's not gonna do it for weed, I know he's not gonna do it for the harder drugs, but um, maybe I could see it, like, potentially passing both houses of Congress, and then, like, Um, Like, if it's a public battle with, like, progressives in Congress to, like, pressure Biden to sign it, like, if they're willing to do that, they haven't been really willing to fight Biden on anything as of late, aside from just, like, making a few strong-worded statements. Um, But I don't know, like, it, it could be, like, a public battle to, like, make sure Biden signs it. I could see him maybe doing that. I know he won't do it on his own through executive order, but if it passed like if there's a bill that passes both houses of Congress and it gets sent to it sent to his desk, I could see a potential public pressure campaign to get him to sign it
0: i mean I just don't think the votes are there in in the in the legislature maybe like they... there's
1: a few libertarian republicans like i i've without without a doubt it's yeah. going to pass the House, but like there's people like Rand Paul. Mike Lee, right. who are like more libertarian, paleo conservative, and they like they disagree with the drug war.
0: Yeah, and, well, um, it yeah. would pass the House because the House
1: is more represent is more representative
0: of the country,
1: mm-hmm. and like the, the yeah. Democrats yeah. definitely have a stronger majority there. I mean, it's it, it was weakened a lot in 2020, but um it, they still have like a bigger majority, and um and then yeah in the Senate it could potentially pass. Uh, I don't know. Like, if it ended in a tie, do you think Kamala Harris would vote yes or no?
0: Uh, I think she would vote no. That's what I think.
1: Um, yeah. She's maybe- expressed at least, like, she's given lip service to being in favor of it in the last, like, year or so. I could see. She has a terrible record uh, on it, for sure. But- I could
0: foresee conditions in the future where it would be beneficial for her to just go ahead and say yes. Like, you know, if she is thinking about a presidential run or something after Biden leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see her maybe doing that if the context is right. Um, I'm not that confident just knowing her, though. Uh,
1: yeah, her like rec- be- if, yeah, re- yeah, if we go by, like, just her actual record, sure, yeah.
0: But, yeah, if she wants to prove me wrong. hello, yeah, go for it. I'm here for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like, like we want these people to prove us wrong. We want us, We want We want to be wrong about how awful they are. <laughs> right?
0: Absolutely. Well, I mean, the white, I mean, you know, there's a story a little while ago that everyone knows by now that a bunch of White House staff people were um, were let go for past marijuana use. So yeah. In um, a House place where it's legal. A, like,
1: yeah, like we right. said earlier, like Washington, D.C., it, it's legal. So they,
0: they seem to be taking a personal stance on this uh, as opposed yeah. to a
1: legal one. Yeah, I think we touched on that last show, pretty much. I think so, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean pretty
0: much what i have to say about illegal weed yeah
1: but like we're for it like i like i think both you and i are are in favor of legalization of all drugs not because we want the whole nation to get high but because like if like if people want to use it that's fine and also like if they if you know in the case of addiction addiction is, is a disease it should be treated as such rather than some moral failing
0: Exactly. Well, yeah, we would need other, you know, systems in place, like uh, safe injection sites and whatnot, to ensure that, you know, people who are struggling with harder drugs are getting the help they need and aren't just, you know.
1: Yeah. And when it comes to, like, the very hard drugs, like bath salts, I think people are just desperate for a high. Like, I think that's the reason why they go for that. If we have, like, safe, like, not as strong, like, alternatives to, like, those kind of things, you know, like, I think people would go for that instead of, like, you know, a drug that literally turns you into a cannibal. I don't know, like, is it like so? I know there's at least one story about a guy who was on bath salts eating his friend's face or whatever. But yeah, is that, I've, I've that kind of like the pit bull like eating a kid story. Like it happened once, and then people are using that one story to like judge it as a whole. It feels like it.
0: it. It sort of feels like the story, like a guy, you know, jumped off a building high on acid because he thought he could fly. Like, yeah, maybe <laughs> it, it, it kind of sounds like they're blowing it out of proportion. I don't know about bad salts, though. Um, I, I'm pretty sure those are highly
1: dangerous. Yeah. And also another upside to legalization is that, you know, some a lot of the times in which people experience like overdoses, or, like, you know, dangerous episodes, like, related to drugs, it's not because of the drugs them, it's not so much because, like, of the drug they're taking, it's, or kind of, but it's because it's laced with something dangerous.
0: That's a very good point, especially yeah opioid discussion, you know, uh, is. you know, I mean, that's the drug that's cut with everything, right, and that, yeah. that can kill you. Um, yeah, that is fixing
1: what- drugs sure. is very stupid to do, I do think that, as well, like, uh, like, I, well, like I, mean, I told you, I lot lot watching people- Breaking Bad, you know, Jesse yeah. uh, mixes heroin with meth. It's like, that is a very stupid right. idea.
0: Well, most of the focalin deaths don't come from purposeful mixing. It's dealers who mix them, and then they sell them. You know, they yeah. take the
1: product and cut it with cheap focalin, right? Yeah, or, like, people, like, who smoke weed with fentanyl in it. Sure, yeah. Or, yeah. Um, or I'm sorry,
0: I meant fentanyl. What did I say? Foclinol?
2: Or, oh uh, shit! No, okay. focal, that's
0: a that's an um, amphetamine. I apologize. That's a completely different drug. Fentanyl is the one I was thinking of. Um, yeah, we and can like, if it was with like, a, if, yeah, we can also be cut with PV with a was it PCP, which can be um, which can be potentially dangerous. So th- yeah. there are advantages to having these things
2: legalized and regulated.
1: Yeah, because if it's FDA regulated, they'll make sure like it's you know not any more dangerous than it has to be i mean like all drugs are like dangerous to a degree i guess but you know i don't know i think as far as like weed killing you i think the only way weed could actually kill you like in and of itself without it being laced with anything is like i guess if you smoke it a whole lot you'll develop lung cancer and i don't know well
0: not so th- there there've been some like calculations made on this and i think it was like you have to smoke like a pound of weed in 10 minutes or something to get close to an overdose which is like physically impossible um yeah the the only way you
1: could smoke a pound is is if you split it with someone right
0: there are zero cases in history of anyone dying from a pot overdose unless it was
1: like laced with something you know like the the kids that smoke like synthetic weed right in
0: which case it would be the other thing that killed them and I don't think, I mean, I I mean, I mean don't know, this it would be news to me if people could develop lung cancer from smoking marijuana. I didn't think I mean,
1: that... It's definitely a more long-term effect, you know, just like if you were okay.
0: smoking cigarettes. I mean, I think, from my understanding, pot smoke is much safer than tobacco smoke.
2: Okay.
1: Um, but, like, I know, like, at least in the cases of, like, hard liquor, light beer is piss water. It doesn't do anything. Um but uh
0: yeah, yeah maybe yeah. i mean i'm but sure like, there's
1: but like weed is less dangerous yeah. than like hard
0: liquor oh there least. could be yeah there could be cases out there of people developing cancers or other diseases from smoking pot too much i just haven't heard about them um if there are out there i would suspect that they're outliers
1: yeah or like uh there's a stand-up special that uh bill hicks did in chicago in which he spent a lot of time talking about drugs and like smoking versus alcohol he's and he said, you know, um, smoking a cigarette is like objectively less dangerous than drinking alcohol because I because you can't kill someone with a car by smoking a cigarette. And I've tried. Jesus. He's like, you turn even you turn off all the lights, they still see the glow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, That's pretty good. Oh look, there's a big firefly heading this way. Oh shit, it's knocking over shrubs. Yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, but, but yeah, like in many ways that is true. I mean, like, I guess with like drinking in moderation, you can't really develop the same kind of things you can with like smoking, uh, like over time because like, you know, smoking depth, like objectively, you know, over time causes like cancer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like even different kinds of liver
0: failure over time and kidney failure as well. I mean, that's well documented. Yeah. Um, I really yeah I mean I, I guess the moral to this whole thing is that the drugs that are illegal are really fucking dangerous and weed is not really not really dangerous at all <laughs> it's, it yeah. it's kind of no brainer to le- to legalize it from my perspective
1: yeah and uh, if you want to learn more about this I would highly suggest checking out Dr. Carl Hart he was the Columbia professor who uh wrote a book called like Drug Use for Adults and like he like he's yeah he's like a he's a neuro neuroscientist and a psychology professor at Columbia University. He says like recreationally he has done heroin, meth, and uh, Molly. And like he has a lot to say about this and about like a he, he he really takes on a lot of like what he perceives as like myths of like you know media because like he goes further saying that you know like. Like, he uses heroin recreationally, like, occasionally, but he says he's not addicted to it, which is interesting. Um, yeah, there's a lot of
0: misinformation surrounding that idea of addiction. Because oh, yeah. if you use, you know, the word pretty generously, you might be able to say that, you know, there are millions out there who are addicted to coffee, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: or sugar, like we've said this before. Sometimes right. And yeah. like in discussions, like sugar is more addictive than cocaine. We just don't think about it that much because it's literally in everything we eat.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So, and, but I mean, if you're talking about drug addiction as like, you know, a, a medical disease, I mean, that just, that just doesn't really happen so much with weed. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, in the, in the cases where it does, you know, where drug addicts, you know, or, or people go on to be addicted from weed, they usually move on to another substance yeah usually i mean there there are definitely people who are addicted to weed. don't get me wrong but it's just it's it's so much rarer than alcohol and tobacco which we just accept as part of society
1: yeah those taxed drugs exactly those industrial drugs yeah yeah drugs that you know black people and hippies didn't use so like they weren't put on the controlled substances list Mm-hmm. You know, because, like, the the whole drug war was, like, basically Nixon putting political enemies in prison. You know, it's just, like, yep. it's because, like, we like to criticize, you know, it's like, oh, like, oh, like Cuba is, like, an awful country because they imprison political prisoners. Yet we do that, too. It's just it's a little bit less, I guess, less blatant, right?
0: Yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah, it is less blatant. I mean, it's pretty easy to see once you, like, if yeah. you do research on the prison industrial complex, for example, especially yeah. private... Or even,
1: like, the words yeah. of Nixon's own, one of Nixon's right. officials, like, said, yeah, yeah, we, we, we start, we illegalized or like, we started the drug war to put hippies and black people in prison, because we... I think didn't you're talking about, for us. I think you're talking yeah. about Don Ehrlichman,
0: he was, like, a senior advisor, he was really close to Nixon, so he would know, yeah. yeah. There are also tapes, you know, because yeah, everything in the White House is recorded, There are a lot of tapes of Nixon just outright saying, yeah, we need to put more blacks in prison. I mean,
1: yeah. Yeah. And like, and because like in most states, your vote, your voting rights get taken away and a few states that you never get them back. Like if you get thrown in prison, you know, it's basically turned into a new voter suppression and like new Jim Crow tactic, you know, like just like throwing people in prison
0: for dumb shit. That's part of the reason why legalizing weed in Virginia is such a big deal. Um, you know, like I said, a historically southern state. Um, yeah. I, I, I think this will I have a feeling a lot of people who are maybe on the fence about weed or who were, like, just over it on the anti-weed side might look at Virginia and say, oh, really? Virginia legalized it? And then maybe, you know, that could, that could
1: facilitate some yeah. progress. And it wasn't even, like, such a huge battle. Like, like, like I said, it was very quick. Well, it tied in the state Senate, but it was broken. I mean,
0: but, but it got through the house pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you know, supports it and and everyone pretty much hates him.
1: Yeah. Well, luckily in, so like, for those of you who don't know, in Virginia, uh, a governor only gets one term and he had, like, he can't run for a second term. Apparently he can run again because Terry McAuliffe is also running for governor and he was our last governor. Like he's running for the neck He's running for the guber, uh The gov- He's running in the gubernatorial election. What? What is that? Governor and gubernatorial. That's. It's, the, it's weird. <laughs> Literally no idea.
0: I've thought. I've wondered that before. Maybe it's
1: like a Latin thing or something. I. I don't know. Sure. I, I don't know. <laughs> no idea. But yeah, like once a governor has one term, he can't run again, at least in a consecutive term. Maybe that's part but of we the don't reason why we don't have to be with Ralph Northam for... Maybe uh, that's
0: for part of years. the reason why Ralph Northam wanted to push, or wanted to pull the date for legalization back to July 1st, instead of 2024. Um, maybe I mean, there's not much I don't think a governor could have done to curtail the legalization of weed in 2024. But yeah, maybe, that was
1: my main concern about that deadline, yeah. you know, like pushing I, it to Yeah, it seems fishy
0: to me, but I, I dug a lot to try and find where the loophole was, and I I don't think there was one. I think I think we're just going to be flat out legal. I mean, what, you know, once the the date comes up,
1: it's going to happen.
0: it's going to happen. It's going to really, happen much sooner than we realized at this point.
1: Yeah, f- try four years earlier, or three years. Yeah, twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, time all blends together these days, doesn't it?
0: I know. But yes, three was right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh um what else do we have
0: well we have the mil so biden wants to increase the military budget to i think you told me somewhere in excess of 750 billion
1: yeah and i thought it was already at that point but i, I don't know like it's yeah it's a little bit over so se- he wants to increase it to a little bit over 750 billion dollars i remember it was and about like, 600 billion
0: it was about 600 billion or something like that when trump took office so, and it was
1: or like he increased it, you know, by like one, like they increased it every single year of, under Trump, and they usually mm-hmm. increase it every single year. And like mm-hmm. military spending, I don't think has really gone down substantially since World War II. Um, no, I won't. You know, I mean,
0: certainly, well, it, it because of the Cold War, you know, it was accelerated for a long time. And I think especially,
1: even especially with the manufacturing yeah. of nuclear, nuclear weapons. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, But yeah, like one year he increased it. Ronald Reagan Yeah. Yeah. Like one year that Trump increased it, he increased it by like nearly 100 billion. Jesus. So, and like that alone is more than enough to pay for free college because free college is roughly like 60 to 70 billion a year. And like they, they deficit hawk their way around it. Yeah. Like, so, oh like how are you gonna pay for it? It's like easy. We just take money out of the military budget that we don't need. Things that like like we pay for things in the military budget that the Pentagon has said we don't need. And like it's not like we're cutting back on like veteran salaries or anything, because like I think veteran salaries is held is handled by the VA, right?
0: I have no idea, but even if it were, I mean we have forty thousand homeless veterans in this country. I don't think it's yeah, working. We-
1: yeah, we, we clearly don't take care of them and it's because like it's because like we have that many homeless veterans i'm thinking like like maybe it's the va because the va is grossly underfunded i think and um, perhaps i don't know because yeah we don't take care of our veterans
0: absolutely not so what what's like the response been to the military hike, the military budget hike proposed by biden are the democrats with him what does it seem like
1: um, for the most part, they are, but like, or like, or at least they're not, they're, they're not really commenting on it. Bernie oh, okay. has expressed, quote, deep concerns for it. I think that like, that's what he said. But okay. Bernie needs to be a little bit more, needs to be a little bit more hardline on that front. Because, and like, especially since Joe Biden was deficit hawking his way through the debates about Medicare for all, like, oh, like, it's gonna cost over a trillion dollars over 10 years. It's like, well, $750 billion a year, that's going to get over a trillion in less than two years. So it's like- Under Donald years. Trump,
0: the deficit, I mean, every year the deficit was more than it was before. I mean-
1: Well, yeah, like it added, like his tax cut, like in 2017, added another $2 trillion to the deficit. So,
0: so this, yeah, this whole Republican talking point about the debt and the deficit- you know, complete
1: horseshit and and you know a lot of these people have been a lot of like conservative economists have been uh predicting that japan was going to have an economic collapse because they don't really they don't really care as much about deficit spending. but they haven't had that economic collapse yet because they're like they have sovereignty over their own currency like we do so like like greece is in the shitter right now because they did a lot of deficit spending basically but that's because they use the euro they don't have their own currency whereas like the united states we have co- we have control over our own currency so deficit spending even though i'm not saying it's like oh uh, like it's no problem whatsoever it's not as bad as we think it is so you also remember that a
0: huge portion of the debt is just mean it's it's tough to explain but like we owe it to ourselves or like the government has taken money from itself and now owes it to himself to itself you can look up you know what makes up the united states debt and you can see a lot of it is just kind of owed to ourselves and it you know i mean what are that's why we can so much right because like you said we have our own currency we're not beholden to anyone
1: yeah and on top of that highly sovereign um, nation yeah and 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 on top of that, it's um, what like how big is our debt? Like in the thirty trillion range, or?
0: I that's what I have always heard. Yeah. Or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's like somewhere over thirty trillion. Like, there's no amount of money in the world that we can obtain to pay that off. So, like when people say we have to start paying off our debt, and it's like we can't, we're not going to accept that. So cope
0: also yeah. like it would be it would really it would hurt the economy a lot more if we focused on we focused as much on the debt as many republicans especially say that we should i mean I, I mean take i mean spending i mean this is sort of required from for the way that our government operates to take out you know yeah. that deficit every year
2: mm-hmm.
1: i like yeah. every time we've spent a lot like on stimulus like the three times we spent on uh, we spend mm-hmm. money on stimulus during the pandemic, there's, like, the, the economy receives a, like, a temporary boost. And it's only temporary yeah. because each of these stimulus bills are just sort of like a one shot of adrenaline rather than... Adrenaline. But
0: also, like, just, like, imagine what would happen if the government decided to, like, suddenly pay back all of the debt. Tax dollars would just be going to pay government bonds,
1: mostly. I I don't think people would be very happy with that. <laughs> I know, that's that's a but, libertarian's uh, dream, I guess. I don't know, like Maybe. no government spending for anything other than paying off the debt. It's and like yeah. Also, like, like if we just agreement. used our entire government budget to pay off the debt, how long? How many years would that take? Like, what is our what is our budget? Roughly like three, four trillion a year.
0: I don't know. It's something ridiculous. Uh, I'll, I'll Google it real quick. I mean, once numbers get that big, you know, I I don't register them. <laughs>
1: Uh, Say, uh, government, uh, budget. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Financial year 2018, we spent, uh, four point eleven trillion. That's a lot. Yeah. I'm trying to find,
0: um, All right, here we go. Right, so our total debt, according to this source here, is uh, 28.1 trillion. When the hell was this? This is uh, March, uh, this is super recently. This is 2021, this is April 7th, a few days ago. Okay, Um, so not not quite. Yeah, uh, 78% of the debt is held by the public. 22% is intra-governmental holdings. So the vast majority of it, I mean, like, if we were to pay it, I mean, it would go towards things like government bonds and stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know what is in people's heads when they hear debt. Maybe it's, like, we owe China, like, a ridiculous sum of money or something, but that's just not really the case.
1: Yeah. But, yeah, I guess to, like, cap this off, I don't know. Um, I guess it. We, we really can't, like, these these fuckers can't really, you know, bitch and moan about deficit spending or, like, how are we going to pay for it? And like, both Republicans and Democrats who did that because, like, we're... Like, we have this ungodly military budget that, like... I think... we Like, what what is the figure? Like, we spend more money on our military than, like, the next 10 countries combined? Or I think it's more than that.
0: More I think than- it was... I, th- I thought it was 12. It could be, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, it's at least 10. Yeah. It's in the double digits. It's at least 10, and that's combined. Like, like if you combine the next 10 countries, we still spend more than them. Yeah. Um, what else do we have? So, right. So there's an effort in Alabama to unionize, um, for Amazon workers to unionize And there was a vote held, you know, it was going on, I think,
1: like, you know, last week. Um, So that's concluded, right? Yeah. But, like, I guess, like, that particular vote is over, but, like, the fight to unionize Amazon is far from over. Yes, yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, For that particular, yeah, for that particular vote, Amazon appears to have won. Um, There's not going to be a unionization. So that sucks. Uh, Sucks for the Amazon workers more than it sucks for me.
3: But you know, Amazon,
0: when you, I mean, Amazon put a lot of money into into quashing this thing. Makes sense that it was Uh successful. Tells a lot about the state of things in this country.
1: Yeah. And let's see. Um, and I found a CNBC article about it, but they're never honest about these kinds of things, so I'm not going to trust them. Okay, at all. I'll find. Okay. You could find like a vote tally, maybe. Well, here's something from NPR. Okay. NPR is a little bit. They're they're still not amazing, but they're not they're not shit. I would say that
0: NPR is probably the most reliable of like the mainstream sources.
1: Yeah, NPR, PBS, like the more not like as, public yeah. fundings. Like- They're not as
0: extensive on certain issues as others,
1: but uh-huh. so it's so the headline is it's a no Amazon warehouse workers vote against uni- unionizing in historic election. Amazon warehouse workers in Alabama will not be forming a union. The vast majority of votes cast by Amazon workers in Bessemer, Alabama were against joining the retail, wholesale, and department store union. And so not making their own union, but like kind of like joining an existing union. Uh, let's see the the final okay. tally showed 17 1798 votes against unionizing and 738 votes in favor of the union so it was not close no either. that is a huge gulf that's way more than i thought yeah and like there's roughly three thousand like a little over three thousand eligible voters or wait no like, like that's what the other article said but that doesn't add up this is weird. Well, that just means that there were people who could have voted that didn't, I guess, right? Let's see. Uh, the means uh, That means Amazon has withstood the largest union push yet among its U.S. workers, despite celebrity endorsements, including implied solidarity from President Biden. Building on years of successfully fighting off labor organizing, the company avoided the prospect of its first unionized warehouse in America. Uh, The retail union is now filing a legal challenge to the election in charges charges of unfair labor practices against Amazon. It's requesting a hearing by the National Labor uh, Relations Board to determine if the results of the election should be set aside because conduct by the employer created an atmosphere of confusion, coercion, and or fear of reprisals, and thus Mm -hmm. interfered with the employee's freedom of choice. So it's very possible like or it is it it's likely that a lot of these people who voted against unionization were scared that if like if the unionization effort failed, then and like they would be on the record of voting for legalization and then like Amazon could you know handle them. Well, I mean, and we have to be clear about this, right? Jeff Bezos is the richest guy.
0: I, I think. Maybe for like a little while, Elon Musk was a bit richer, but I I don't think that's the case anymore. I think Jeff Bezos is the
1: richest guy in the world. Um, And he's projected to possibly be the world's first trillionaire by 2026, which is, and that's just like an ungodly thought.
0: When you're working for like perhaps the most powerful, at least one of the most powerful people on the planet, for one of like the most successful companies there ever was. I would be pretty fucking scared, you know? I mean, if you look at some of the union-busting, and you know, propaganda, if you looked at the stuff they put out, um, I would be fucking scared shitless to vote yes. I think it makes a lot of sense. I I mean, part of him being the richest guy ever, he doesn't have to do a lot to scare people shitless, is the thing that I'm trying to say. And he still did a lot. It would be insane if, Mm -hmm. yeah, it would be insane if it were found that there was no coercion
1: yeah a union is not in the best interest of our workers we'll just look at the statistics people like like union jobs receive better benefits like historically that's just the fact
0: also i mean a lot of the people working in these warehouses i'm tempted to say most i don't know if i can but a lot of them are there because they have nowhere
1: else to go because they were you know laid off or something and amazon is offering some jobs or like you know, like, maybe, like, they didn't receive a college education, and, like, it's hard to find a job with a college education.
0: Right, right, yeah.
1: These days, and it's, um,
0: in the conditions in these warehouses, I mean, are horrendous. A union is absolutely required. There are efficiency that are determined literally by, like, computer algorithms, and if they're not met, they're penalized, like, like financially, or or in terms of their salary, um, but they gave
2: us a pizza party so it's all good
1: but like yeah, one of it's... the things that really uh, shocked me when I first heard about it was the fact that like these so these are metal warehouses right yeah like, they're unair conditioned which like if you know how heat works you know well, like but moving around you know running from side to side i
0: mean yeah that's yeah
1: like the exhaust, like so so yeah, basically, you know, the heat building up in a metal warehouse on top of the exhaustion that these uh, workers have to go through, like it actually killed someone one time. Not necessarily with Amazon. Um, it was Verizon. It was like a warehouse that worked with Verizon. And um, but like what happened is like this woman was like so exhausted that she literally dropped dead in the middle of the warehouse. And there was someone who posted on Facebook in, like, in real time that day, like, they're literally making us work around this woman's dead body. So not only didn't they move the body, they kept everyone there and forced them to work. Whereas, like, there was an internal investigation with the warehouse saying that this report, like, like, our report finds that this statement is false. We, in fact, let workers go home and we got, and we provided care for the body it's like okay let's see the report and it's like no we because there's no written report it was conducted orally and it was just like yeah bu- bullshit it's like yeah what
0: like how can it? we take that seriously
1: and also when it comes to these kinds of things it was like when the CIA found out that they were not responsible for uh putting crack in black communities to destroy them essentially
0: yeah well yeah I'm sure if Matt Gates investigated himself, he would find that he didn't do anything wrong.
1: Yeah, or like with like Trump pardoning himself, that kind of thing. Right, yeah,
0: like, of course. Like, I didn't, I'd never, if I had just been told that the CIA was investigating charges against the CIA related to crack black neighborhoods in, like, the 1980s or whenever it happened, I wouldn't even need to, like, see the final study. I would know what the results were. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, is. Not because like it's obvious to you what the facts were, but just because like the CIA is the CIA. Right.
3: They're not it's obvious to an investigation
1: to against yeah. themselves that seriously.
3: It's
0: obvious that yeah. What I mean is it's not it's not obvious that they put crack in the black neighborhoods. It's obvious that they would say that they didn't.
1: Yeah. Um, and like you mentioned, Matt Gates, uh, and there's further stuff with that.
0: Sure, just yeah. Because yeah. this yeah. this is
1: this is funny to talk about, I guess, in a way. It's, kind of, it's, yeah, it's it's yeah mixed it's funny it's funny because like not like the subject of like what like you know matt gates and what he put a lot of these girls through like that's definitely not funny but you know like the fact that you know matt gates is going down in like the spectacular fashion that he is that's funny
2: what's
0: even more funny is that he wasn't even the primary hit right it was joel greenberg who was mm-hmm. being was the primary target of investigation and matt gates was just like a peripheral suspect and but you know he did enough i guess
1: yeah so like you could say that like that that other guy kind of like he was the direct target for like a shotgun and then you know like you know matt gates kind of got struck with some extra shot like with some stray shot You but know, he wouldn't have
0: been shot if he weren't you know associated or like in the vicinity of the main i mean he, he definitely did some yeah, stuff
1: definitely and, like, and- you know how we know he definitely did at least some shit? Because it was revealed that he asked the White House for a preemptive pardon. And I told you that I thought this was originally because, um, you know, like oh, like he's asking, like, Joe Biden for a pardon. Because, like, this is, like, after the allegations came out. Well, like, no, it was revealed that he asked Trump for a preemptive pardon months before these allegations were ever released. He also Although tried to announce his resignation. Some shit. He also tried to, like, you know,
0: announce his right, re- or he did announce his resignation like halfway through his term or something, right before the story broke. I mean, yeah. just everything yeah. and his interview on Carlson, just like ev- nothing about what's going on makes him seem innocent at all.
1: Yeah. And I know, I guess it's technically like innocent until proven guilty. I'm like, sure, but at what point do you realize, okay, like, this guy clearly did it. I mean, like, OJ got away, so it's, like, it's not like the justice system is perfect.
0: I mean, really, like, if he did it, he's already guilty. He's just innocent before the law. The law it's in their hands now. But from what the public has seen, yeah, you know, if if there were a random jury chosen, I, I think he'd be pretty scared.
1: Yeah like he's definitely going down in some way like he's his career is going to be ruined he could end up in jail you know and not like he's
0: powerful enough to be able to do something like this but he's not powerful enough for the establishment to like drop everything to save him
1: right unless he he's like a figure who like knows where all the bodies are buried i don't know if it's that Maybe. like intri- if it's that like intricate of a conspiracy but you know I'm not. I'm not saying whether
3: they've already got
1: Joel Greenberg, right? Um, yeah. And if he
0: was a bigger player than Matt Gates, I imagine he would have more information. I am Matt. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Matt Gates knows a lot more. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe Matt Gates. Yeah. Maybe he will get off as a result of, like you said, knowing where the bodies are buried, or or knowing which other people in the government are so heavily involved. Yeah. Um,
1: is that all we have for news?
0: Uh, we oh, there was something uh, that we listed before Matt Gates. the CIA said some stuff about arming the
1: Mujahideen. Oh yeah, so hold on, I'll see if I can find the tweet. Let's see. so like and then
0: that's all that we said at the beginning here. Yeah.
1: Okay, here's okay, here's the tweet. And, wow, like this almost damn near got ratioed. Um, So it's like, or like, or probably did because it got like 4K retweets but only like 2.7 likes and like those retweets count quotes in which people are like shitting on it. So like, so here's what the CIA said. The Stinger missiles supplied by the United States gave Afghan guerrillas, generally known as the Mujahideen, the ability to destroy the dreaded uh, um, I don't know how to say it. Mi-24D helicopter gunships deployed by the Soviets to enforce their control over Afghanistan. So, yeah, they're they're, they're kind of cutting off the story early there, <laughs> because you know what the Mujahideen later turned into, Al Qaeda and the Taliban. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then. I mean, further led to ISIS and it's like, I so thought, like, you know,
0: was the leader of Al-Qaeda. I think he might have also led the Mujahideen. If not, he was, in, he, he was definitely involved with the Mujahideen. If, it, it, yeah, if he didn't lead them, he was pretty high ranking, yeah. at, least, at least near the end. Um, yeah.
1: But yeah, like the Mujahideen later split off into the Taliban and, uh, yeah, and, and Al-Qaeda. Mm hmm. Let's see. Well, I'm looking. I'm looking at some of these replies. Like Chelsea Manning replied, "So okay. artifact. The crate once carried firearms secretly traded during an arms embargo to fund fighters in Nicaragua."
0: <laughs> well,
1: yep, yep. Um, not much to say about
0: that. Like, yep, that's the sort of thing the CIA does.
1: Yeah. Like, you, you have no idea, like, you know, just because, you know, the United States has such, like, an opposition disorder to, like, Marxism in general, like, they'll arm the most awful people just as, like, because communism bad. They've done it to almost every single country in
0: South America. There are or some, least,
1: Yeah, or at least they've tried at, at, at some point. Like, there's been a few unsuccessful yeah. attempts, like, in the cases of, like, Venezuela or That's Cuba. True. You're right, you're right. But, like, but, yeah, it's not like they haven't attempted. You know, like, we we found out, or, like, we found out together that, uh, like, there was, like, 638, roughly, like, that many attempts made on Castro's life. Like, and he avoided all of them.
0: It's an insane number.
1: Love or hate his policies in Cuba, the man was a fucking G. Like, no like you cannot dodge that many assassination attempts and not be a badass
0: yeah this <laughs> is, these are the same people no never mind I was gonna make a joke but I don't know if I should I was gonna make a Kennedy joke about how you know CIA assassinated Kennedy and like you know it took him three tri- three shots to do it yeah. Astro uh, in, like 200 something
2: <laughs>
1: Yo, oh, oh, yo, I'm going to screen share this, because this is actually, because, okay, this is an actual newspaper, uh, like, headline from the 80s. Yeah?
0: Take,
1: take a look at this. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's see it. Anti-Soviet warrior puts his army on the road to peace. and oh, look what who that is! is. <laughs> look who it fucking is in that picture. I didn't even
0: need to read the, the caption to know who that was.
1: But yeah, it says, Osama bin Laden surveys the 800-kilometer road he is, build- he is building in northern Sudan. Yep. Well, there you go.
0: There we have, yeah, you know.
1: Like, we even worked with Saddam ahead of time.
0: Yeah, event- no. 9-11... Seemed random at the time, and it still seems random in the minds of a lot of people. There was quite a bit of buildup with the war in Afghanistan that led to that, in- including the arming of the Mujahideen by the CIA.
1: Yeah, and like our, it's not like this anti-American sentiment in the Middle East just came out of nowhere. It's not like they just, know, out of nowhere, it's like, we hate democracy, we hate freedom, we hate America. Like it, Like, there's reasons for it.
0: No, America, you promised to help rebuild our country if, you know, if we drove the Soviets out, and we did, and then you left us for shit. So fuck you. I'm not saying it was justified. Obviously, it wasn't. But, like, you know, there's a long story as to why it happened.
1: Yeah. Point is, like, there's context. There's a reason why it happened, not justifying it in any way.
0: There's a lot of, and there's a lot of evidence to suggest that the FBI kind of let it happen. But uh, yeah. I don't know if you go into that. that territory.
1: We're not going to go into that territory because there's nothing really confirmed on that. Right. Um, but what we do know is that um, A lot of suspicious evidence. The, the United States does give Saudi Arabia weapons. And then in turn, Saudi Arabia gives many of those weapons to jihadist groups, including al-Qaeda. So like, we're we still also know that arming we also know- groups to this day.
0: We also know that Dick Cheney and many of the other Republican establishment figures um, wanted to invade Iraq specifically to try and get oil. And it yeah. was like the perfect way for them to do that.
1: Yeah. And like they could have said, you know, like, we're finally going to get that son of bitch Saddam. You know, we're going to finish what George, du- George H.W. Bush started with like the Persian Gulf War. You know, like, or like uh, yeah. because they're saying, like, you should chase that bastard all the way to Baghdad. It's like, it's like when they got out of, you know.
0: We're I'm the like, ones who propped up Saddam Hussein to begin with.
1: Yeah. We'll forget like, like you yeah, like I said earlier, we, we did.
0: Yeah, we and, do it um, in America. We did it in the Middle East. Over in Asia, too. We've done it a lot.
1: Yeah. Um, because, like, as much as we like to shit on, like, these communist regimes or, quote, communist regimes, because there's no such thing as a communist regime that's an oxymoronic statement in and of itself but um like as bad as like some of these figures were without a doubt like the people who like they replaced like the fascists they replaced and in many cases the fascists that replaced them are much much worse and like we went into that very we went into that kind of pretty pretty thoroughly last episode you know um like Batista was is way worse than Castro, uh, you know. Gaddafi, you know, may or may not have been bad, but the but it's much worse now because they literally have slavery there now. And um, you know, as like you could say, Maduro is bad, whatever, but uh, Guaido is much worse because he literally is a fascist. And so it's like,
0: really, we just yeah. shouldn't be meddling in these affairs at all. I mean, they, they yeah should- like.
1: Regardless of, like, I mean, if they're actually committing genocides, which really is no evidence that they are.
0: I mean, it's like once to take a stance that it will only intervene in the case of genocides, they have a lot to answer for, especially with, like, you know, World War II. And I mean, we we've participated in a lot of genocides or we've at least enabled a lot. So that seems like, yeah, that seems like like a disingenuous cutoff to me.
1: And even then, we have to do it as a nation among other nations, rather than us, trying, like, as a nation above other nations, just trying to be the police. We have to cooperate with other nations in order to, like, take on, you know, dictatorships that are committing genocides, that are committing uh, human rights abuses. And, like, it is, it is happening. Like, a lot of our allies are, and, like, not only have we had our roles in, like, genocides, you know, people who we ally ourselves with, like, Saudi Arabia you know as like a huge example Saudi Arabia Israel China those like those countries are literally doing you know like genocides and we're funding uh, especially in Saudi Arabia
0: we're funding a lot
1: of um
0: I mean the one that's brought up a lot is East Timor just because of the number of people that are at the U.S.'s door doors because of that Uh, I I don't remember I figure, but it was like millions of people dead because of because of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, let me let me just find the fucking figure here. East Timor genocide. Here we go. First thing that came up. Yeah, from a hundred thousand to three hundred thousand, and the numbers. Yeah, that, this comports with uh, with what I remember. I remember the numbers being somewhat up for the up for a debate, not in terms exactly of their scale, but in terms of their exactness. We know it was a lot. We don't know exactly how how much, but it was at least 100,000 people that are dead because of our policies. Yeah. I would encourage people to go look more into the genocide of East Timor if you want to see, you know, the real depths of U.S. foreign policy.
1: Yeah. I know we probably can't upload this individual segment on YouTube. YouTube is going to like if we were actually famous, which we're not. But um no, not even close. <laughs> uh not I'm not saying like I wish we were famous. It's just like it would it would be nice. Like hey, like if if you're pissing off people, you know, you're, you're doing something right at least.
0: It would give us a bit more power. Yeah, we'd be able to say more things.
1: Yeah. Um but uh yeah, I guess that's all for news, right?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. That's all we had.
1: Yeah. What else uh, do we have on the agenda?
0: Oh, well, we wanted to talk about uh, anarchism, didn't we?
1: Yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah, last week we talked in depth about, you know, Marxism, a lot of misconceptions about Marxism. And I figured uh, and it's like I'm kind of the Marxist in the mix of this podcast group. And then we have Malcolm, who is not here uh, today. And, like, he hasn't been around for the last couple episodes, but we're trying to uh, get – we're trying to find – like, it's hard to align our schedules. Like, he works, like, every evening, pretty much. So we're trying to figure out that situation. But, like, he's more of a social democrat um, as far as, like, his economic policies. And, Alex, uh, you are the anarchist in the bunch. Like, ideologic – like, at least idealistically, I'm, I think. yeah.
0: It's, anarchism is sort of a difficult thing to really pin down, because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of literature, like a lot of theory that's been written about anarchism, you know, especially in the 19th century. A lot of it does not jive, you know, with the other anarchist thinkers. Um, Really, like, what, like, even, like, to a greater extent than Marxism, even, um, Really, what anarchism comes down to, though, is kind of the rejection of illegitimate authority or the rejection of, uh, you know, a state power, a state as in an entity that has a monopoly of violence within human society. Um, yeah. I would say that I align myself with that view uh, and, and I can, you know, go a little bit further into my specific anarchist views, but like the big important thing to know from the outset is a lot of anarchists there are a lot of anarchists out there a lot of different kinds of anarchism um it's you know i've i've heard the analogy used it's like you know like if anarchism were an ocean um you know it's it's there are a lot of depths to it it's difficult to explore all but there are a lot of different fish you know that we might call anarchists and they're all fish you can tell um but they are drastically different, you know. If you examine them individually, mm-hmm. it's something like that. So like, um, you know, I'm really sympathetic to people like Peter Kropotkin. Uh, he was a Russian anarchist. Even like Noam Chomsky is is um, he's 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 more of like a practical anarchist, and I yeah, he's the guy who you know he really. So, so like, okay, just like one thing and then maybe I'll shut up and we can direct the conversation a little bit more. But, you know, something that I think Noam Chomsky has really, you know, made clear or has really tried to make clear in the public mind is that anarchism is not a rejection of authority flat out. It can be. Some anarchists do reject authority flat out, people like Max Stirner. But um, you can still support the idea of a government and you can still support the idea of a power structure. Um, but it has to be able to, um, what's it called? To, like, display, exhibit, prove its legitimacy,
1: um, like, on a win, Like, through mandate of the masses rather than just trying to keep themselves in power.
0: Right, this is all about the, pe- anarchism is highly democratic. Um, it really is about the society and about the commonwealth, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, like, I thought it would be interesting uh, to talk about this, like, not just because, like, we talked about misconceptions of Marxism, because, like, I had a conversation with someone recently, um, who, who sees anarchism largely as a right, more right-wing ideology, and that's because, like, there, there's, like, this misconception as, like, we talked about at length last week that, you know, um, you know the more left-wing a society is like the more government involvement and like the, the misconception yeah. that socialism is like when the government does stuff that's what i know. was taught in school i was taught that anarchism yeah. as far right as you could go and that's yeah and that's and like
2: not true at right. all there's that's
1: right-wing anarchists like there's anarcho-capitalists Absolutely. who are cringe Absolutely. as fuck but yeah. um but yeah like that like the, i think there is like like yeah, anarcho capitalists like libertarians that ideology but there definitely is uh like sort of a left-wing
0: yeah uh, a sect of anarchism the big distinction i want to make between left and right anarchism is that there's a lot of literature like a lot of theory that's been done on left anarchism or leftist anarchism the uh, i mean if you go over to like you know the ancaps they've they're not going to show you any books or anything maybe uh, recommend a
1: few ayn rand novels but that's Right. Really well, my right point theory. is that
0: anarchism is much more established as a leftist ideology, which is important for people to understand.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's really, it, it, it's sympathetic to Marxism in a lot of ways, um, but it kind of rejects the dialectical materialism. It rejects the idea that, um, it, that you know, history is always going to, is always progressive and each era was better than the last. It rejects that, that view and that's a really crude way of putting what marx thought but whatever
1: yeah the way i view view like dialectical materialism i'm i still yeah and that goes back very to hard to explain the, like it's yeah, it's basically yeah. you know like i n- maybe not necessarily like history is like pro- like completely progressing in that each era is like better than the last than the one that mm-hmm. came before it but like each era is different and like the material conditions of each era are different and like marxism like must like adjust according to the material needs of each of these different eras. It's so, like that's how I view it, and like, I, sure, yes, I, yeah. yeah,
0: that's a better way of putting it. Um, but the idea is kind of like you know an extrapolation. Like like Marxism is going to build off of the progress of capitalism, which built off the progress of feudalism. Um, and and you know what enables it to you know do this building off of is you know the new historical the new material context
1: the so new material like people are watching this I I did a little thing like uh, it was chill just a chill, so don't I'm not having a seizure.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, some people do when you talk about anarchism. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. I kind of forgot where I was right. So Marxism is a little bit more rooted in Hegel who's like, you know, this really notoriously difficult philosopher to understand. Yeah. That's where dialectical... That's where the idea of dialectical materialism can be found.
1: Um, yeah. And not every anarchist, you know. I, I mean, like... Like, who would you say is, like... So, like, you have Marx for, like, communism, socialism, like or, like, Marxism. Right. Who do you think is, like, kind of, like, the poobah of, like, left-wing anarchism?
2: Oh,
0: it's probably, you know, someone like Peter Kropotkin or maybe Emma Goldman or... um She's more modern, trying to think. Uh, Oh, uh, Buchanan, Buchanan, I don't know how to pronounce his name, he's another one. Um, Even like William Godwin, who's called like the first anarchist, you know, he, he did a lot to lay you know, a lot of anarchist thinkers built off of his foundations. He was also the father of Mary Shelley, incidentally, which is kind of cool.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein.
0: And if you're not, if, I don't know, another little fun fact, uh, Mary Shelley's mother was Mary Wollstonecraft. Maybe that's more well-known. Uh, what is she known for? Oh, she's like a really early feminist, um, yeah, Mary Wollstonecraft is someone that everyone learns about if they go into like gender studies or something. Um, she was, like mid eighteen hundreds feminism, like really early. Um, yeah, those 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 would probably be like the big thing. There are a lot though. Like I mentioned, Max Stirner earlier, he's kind of like a like it's called like egotistical anarchism or egocentric anarchism or something like that individualist anarchism maybe um yeah he's someone else but he's not taken all that seriously
1: um You're like you mentioned noam chomsky and like yeah, he, yeah he identifies more as like kind of a libertarian socialist but he did like write an essay or something like that like like in defense of anarchism so like he's he, sees, the value, he sees like the value in some parts of anarchist ideology
0: yeah absolutely um And some people, like myself, would probably just say, yeah, Noam Chomsky is an anarchist because he doesn't doesn't like the idea of the monopoly of violence held by the state. That might be for some people to call them an anarchist. Um, That's sort of like how varied anarchist theory can be. Um, It's also like probably the most neglected ideology, like in terms of what they're taught in school, as well as things that are like kind of pervasive in the popular culture.
1: Yeah, because, like, Marxism at least gets some sort of, like, lip service in schools. Yes. Not necessarily kind lip service. Right. Whereas, like, like, but, like, anarchism, like, it, like, this was, like, a huge thing during, like, the Black Lives Matter protests where people were just, like, oh, these are just anarchists. And, basically, rejecting anarchism as, like, an actual coherent ideology more is just, like, sort of, like, like anarchism is more of like an act, like an anti like government mm-hmm. act. Like when people think anarchism, they think like chaos, like the joke.
0: Yeah, they think about like kind of the idea of a violent revolution more than like a political ideology.
2: Yeah. And a
0: lot like, of the ideology is really, like, Yeah. yeah. Well, sorry, well, I was going. Say, a lot of the ideology is, you know, pretty amicable to Marxism. Like a lot of the a lot of it begins with the idea that, you know under capitalism, your labor is exploited and, and you know, things like that. Um, but it also talks oh, yeah. about uh, the idea that, you know, ideas that, like, you know, everyone serves to live and stuff, like, everyone deserves, like, uh, the, one of Kropotkin's books, his most famous one is called The Conquest of Bread. Um, and, you know, the sort of, the vague idea behind that is, you know, giving everyone bread, <laughs> like, you know, not... <laughs> you know, certain people who can reap a lot of wealth because of their capital. Hmm. Um,
1: So, yeah, it sounds like, you know, there's a, because there is this kind of, like, ongoing battle between, like, Marxists and anarchists, right? And, like, it sounds like anarchists and, uh, anarchists and Marxists do have, like, they have, like, they recognize the same problems, and they just, like, disagree on like what like the specific solutions are i mean they can have like like the more general solutions they can agree on to an extent but like as you get more and more specific that's when the differences come in
0: yeah and it's well it's tough to explain the difference really because you know like i consider myself both a marxist and an anarchist like an anarcho-communist
1: or something like that, or
0: you know, yeah, something like that. I mean, um, like every time I use a label for myself, I have to, you know, put up some asterisks to explain, you know, like, yeah, more clarification. So, like, here is like kind of like my view, like sort of like my own personal ideology here. I, I, I'm with Marxism, um, pretty much up until. Um, the dicta- the dictatorship of the proletariat. Pretty much like, you know, giving the laborers the capital, you know, allowing them to control the means of production and everything and to set their own wages. All of that I'm with him on. Um, I think there's an additional step that anarchism takes that Marxism doesn't quite, um, and that's, you know, the, the idea of the state. That's really like the big thing about anarchism is the state should not exist. Um oh
1: like in communism like the idea of communism is that it does become stateless i guess like the misconception like that you know and like it come that comes from like that you know feeds into the idea that like uh, like the socialism is when the government does stuff is that a lot of times like this does turn like uh socialist experiments do turn into sort of like a single party uh dictatorship to use that term lightly and that's kind of Oh, and I didn't mean like a single, yeah, dictatorship is such a bad word to use
0: there because it didn't take on the meaning when Marx wrote that as, as it has today. Yeah. Um, really, he just meant like, you know, the proletariat has the power, <laughs> like they're the majority. Yeah. Um, but you, you're touching on the reason why it's kind of difficult to get to the differences between anarchism and Marxism because they are different. Um but they're more different in like the problems that they address. Um, so like Marx wrote a lot of economic theory. Um, you know, like, he, like his book Capital was pretty much like an analysis of industrial capitalism. And so in that way, Marxism is kind of historically contingent, um, like it relies upon capitalism and it, um, and it relies on industry. And there's this understanding among Marxists that this isn't like, you know, the finish line, like we're, you know, we always have to, you know, keep our eyes open for changing material conditions. Anarchism is a little more idealistic than that. Because, um, you know, a Marxist wouldn't, well, that's not true. Because, but, you know, an actual, like, you know, like, our idea, I don't know how to explain it, like a Marxist, like a true honest God Marxist would not ever dream of starting a communist or socialist revolution in like, you know, rural nowhere, like that hasn't been industrialized and hasn't seen, you know, a large scale capitalist market. Um an anarchist would say none of that really matters for what we're concerned about. We're concerned about political power specifically, not so much about the economy, though that is obviously connected to political power.
2: Hmm.
1: Okay. So, like, yeah, so like anarchism is like is is kind of a foreign subject to me. I haven't really focused on it that much. So, like, I, I'm learning a lot from listening to you describe it because, like, there is a there is quite a bit of I'm overlap with the two ideologies. In like in but.
0: I'm trying to describe it in, like, a way that'll piss off the fewest number of anarchists possible, because <laughs> <laughs> there are people, like, there are anarchists who are going to disagree with the things that I'm saying. Like, you know, um, I don't know, a lot of people would argue that anarchism does put a lot of weight on the economic policy and stuff. Um, that's just, I don't know, that's sort of my own personal view, that the important stuff isn't so much in that area. Um. So like a a pop, so like, I don't know, just to kind of like wrap up my historical contingency point, a common common idea amongst anarchist thinkers, this isn't one that I necessarily ascribe to, but I'm sympathetic to it. A common idea is um, the idea that um, there should be like small individual communities who govern themselves, um, you know, rather than like, you know, this huge state um, and what that does is it, you know, it minimizes chances of corruption, it minimizes, you know, an, you know, an influence that big money or it, it, it real overall, it lowers the chances of anyone getting a whole lot of money. And so that would lower the chances of corruption in the government. Um, but but the, the idea of like small communes, small like autonomous communes, sort of gets at the idea that anarchism is more of like a principle uh, you know like it, out of principle the state should not have a monopoly of violence out of principle people should not be you know like you know oppressed illegitimately on account of I mean a lot of it ties back to the violence of the state because you know that's a big source of a lot of the state's problems I don't know like are you getting my point like I, I can say it better maybe
1: yeah I, yeah, I think I kind of I'm, I'm getting it But um, for those who aren't quite getting it, uh, I guess, like, the last question I would have for you, Marxist to anarchist, um, what, like, what, like, what's, like, a short, like, reading list of, like, like, about that you would recommend, you know, like, about, like, like, that provides, like, the basics for, like, anarchist theory. Right, yeah. Like, even for, like, someone who might not agree with it, but just so, like, they can understand it.
0: Right. So Peter Kropotkin in The Conquest of Bread, I've already mentioned, that's, that's a really great one um, because it, it, it's really written as like a point-by-point point sort, of, sort of theoretical analysis of things. Um, let me think here. What are some other things that I would have people read? Some Emma Goldman is pretty good. Um, she has a lot of essays. And books. Honestly, like, Noam Chomsky is pretty accessible to the modern person because he's, you know, you know, like Peter Kropotkin lived, you know, how like 100, 200 years ago or something. Um, you know, like there, I don't know, like there are YouTube videos out there like Chomsky on anarchism, one, two, three, I don't know. There, he talks about it a whole bunch. Um, but honestly, like, I feel like you can be an anarchist and a Marxist. Um,
1: if you've, you're pissing off so many anarchists right now. <laughs> I don't know, pro- maybe, probably, <laughs> maybe
0: Maybe I am. Oh,
1: no, I don't know, you're probably pissing off a lot of Marxists too, to be fair. I
0: don't I mean. think the two ideologies are very opposed, to be honest. I think they're a little, you know, I, I feel like there's some friction. Be- I feel like the friction comes from how close they are to each other, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Oh, come on. I should be able to come up with more readings. Um, uh, Michelle Buchanan. Fuck, what did he write? What's his fucking book? Why can't I fucking remember? I'm going to look it up. Um, I don't know if that's even how you pronounce his name. Here it is. Michael Buchanan. No, that's a football defensive player. Fuck you. I don't want that guy. (laughs) Okay, okay, come on. Come on. Mikhail Buchanan. Come on now, Where where is his... Holy fuck. Why is this so hard to find? The Google does not want me to read about anarchism, dude. Alright, fuck off. I can't find it. I don't... <laughs> that was so
1: weird. I don't know what that was about. I tried to play the Norm McDonald laugh, and then I realized I wasn't sharing sound anymore.
0: That was all... Hold on, that, this is really confusing. Why is Google not, like, coming up with his Maybe it's Bakunin? How the fuck is it pronounced? I
1: don't know, we could probably, like, I don't know, on YouTube Alright, here we go. Like Alright, I finally fucking- found it. I
0: finally found his Wikipedia page. It was buried. Jesus Christ, Google.
1: <laughs> Alright, come on. Google is biased against left-wing ideology. Where is
0: where's his books list? Come on. Holy shit. I cannot find his books list. I mean, they're also like pretty good. So, um, just while I'm thinking, there, I think it's called Philosophy Tube is the name of the channel or something like that. There's a pretty good philosopher YouTuber uh, who made a video about anarchism. Um, it's about 40 minutes long. It's pretty long. Here we go. Um, All right, uh, Bakunin wrote God and the State, that's his book, but he also wrote a lot of articles and a lot of pamphlets, so let me just just run through this list and see if I see something. Um, Power Corrupts the Best is a pretty good essay, The Class War. Uh, The German Crisis is a, I don't know, I I haven't read that, to be honest, but I've heard about it. I don't know if you should read that. Okay, okay, so that, fine, Jesus Christ. Yeah, Google does not like, does not like it when you try to research anarchism. (laughs) Um. All right. So there's some, there's another thinker. What's her name? Fuck me. What is this person's name? Normally, like, I would have a stack of books, like, if I were at my house, I would have a stack of books next to me, and I could, like, look at the books and, like, tell you the titles
1: Mm -hmm. i have some like i don't i don't have a lot of like theory that i own but i have some like more modern stuff in front of me rather than more historical
0: if you want to be exposed to like anarchism like in literature more than like theory you could read leo tolstoy he's a very you know he's a very famous russian novelist he was a he was an anarchist um, there's another fellow named Alan Moore. We just read a book of his for my English class called From Hell. He was an anarchist. He he has a he and he's like
1: or he's he's still alive, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's still alive. I think he is. Yeah, I, he's a very famous like graphic novelist. Like he did Watchmen. Absolutely. He that's did it. That's, v for Vendetta. Um, from Hell, from Hell, Hell from which is yes. about like Jack the Ripper.
0: And it was, might I say, that is a brilliant fucking book. Everyone should read it. It's it's a little long. <laughs> really well told um i don't know that's that's a reading list and when you start on peter kropotkin and emma goldman and Mikhail bakunin however you pronounce his name when you start on those people
1: they'll lead you down a rabbit hole to other thinkers that is Uh, assuming that google will let you go down that rabbit hole because the algorithm is very biased against people like us these days yeah, that was really
0: weird. I've never had that happen where i like, Googled someone's name, and, like, it took me, like, a long time to, like, you know, Google didn't come up immediately. It did eventually. It came
1: up with a page for him, but okay. it
0: was really weird.
1: All right, so I guess we've come to our laughing at dumb asses.
0: Yes, you can probably cut out a lot of that, that last thing.
1: Yeah, I don't know. This whole this whole oh thing is going oh. unedited on on Spotify, but like we'll cut it up when we upload individual segments on YouTube. Which I, I not been. I did not upload individual segments of our most recent episode, but it's it's on Spotify. We're on Spotify now officially. Anchor should been more has distributed anarchism. our stuff to Spotify.
0: Because I've read like so much about anarchism, but you know my my books aren't with me because I'm at my college dorm. They're in my my house room. Um, yeah. I did my best to give you names, though.
1: Yeah. So, on. Huh. So, should we do the usual? Because, like, I can't think of anything other. Th- I can't think of anything else right now. But like, we just like to laugh at PragerU videos because there's just so much stuff to. Oh. Uh, laugh at.
0: Howard Zinn. Howard Zinn has said some good things about anarchism, um, and he's highly accessible to regular people.
2: Yeah
1: yeah oh shit this premier this premieres tomorrow uh so prager you put is putting out a new video tomorrow called is communism moral and it premieres tomorrow morning so sadly we can't react to that but next week next week definitely okay next week definitely so like hold on
0: i feel like marxism is moral or communism whatever it said that's another thing about these leftist ideologies, is that it's tough to put a word on all of them.
1: Yeah. And I think I think leftists in general focus too much on trying to, like, put a label to everything because that yeah. leads to infighting. And, and maybe that's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and maybe that... I mean... Like, I'm a democratic socialist. I'm a Marxist-Leninist. Ooh, cringe. It's like...
0: Yeah, so maybe... Yeah, so I... In that respect, I understand like, why people get mad at me for saying that Marxism and anarchism are pretty amicable. but they are, like... <laughs> you can... Oh, I don't know, just very quickly, because this is kind of an important point about anarchism. You can have a government in an anarchist state, or not, not a state, in an anarchist society or whatever. I'm just so used for, for the word state to describe societies. You can't have a state. You can have a government, though, Provided that the government is made up of representatives, that is the people. The government that we have now in America is obviously made up of, like, lawyers and stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. those aren't, that wasn't the intention. That's not the intention of a government really anywhere. So that distinction between the government and the state is, it took me a while to really understand and appreciate that distinction. But it's there, and anarchism really focuses on that.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I think I found our video. What is identity socialism? So I'm guessing we're getting into some like, like, what is it like cultural Marxist stuff? Yeah, I don't really know. I still don't know what a cultural post- is.
0: I I've tried.
1: It, well, like it's basically like all of these antifa leftists, like they're 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 cultural Marxists, assuming that although Marxism does kind of delve into cultural. Things it's more it's primarily an economic ideology, yeah. but um, a lot of like the bullshit about like postmodernists and stuff like that. I All mean, so that
0: postmodernist, yeah, it, it's so weird to me. Like Jordan Peterson's phrase, postmodern neo-Marxist. Like that, I don't, postmodernists like some of them are Marxists, but a lot of them aren't. I mean, it's just kind of. Well,
1: postmodernism, like the the label postmodernists, or like or like even like uh, cultural Marxism, is like was originally construct that that term was originally coined as like sort of like an anti Semitic trope in Nazi Germany.
0: Oh geez, that makes sense. That's sort of yeah. how it's been used here. Sort of.
1: We can talk about, like, the history of that next week. I would have to, like, pull up an article on it. But also, anyway.
0: postmodernism means different things depending on, like, what you're talking about. Like, postmodern art has nothing to do with postmodern philosophy, for example. Yeah.
1: But, yeah. What Prager used, what is identity socialism? I'm very curious to see what they come up with.
3: There's a new socialism in town. I call it identity socialism. The old socialism, the kind Karl Marx... Ooh,
1: Dinesh D'Souza, this...
3: Who's this guy?
1: He's like a historian using that term very loosely. And I think he was even a criminal who got pardoned by Trump. What'd you say his name was? Dinesh D'Souza. Okay, I've heard the name. He he was the guy who we watched last time. He was basically saying fascism is a leftist, leftist ideology because the guy who... Supposedly made fascism a thing was on the left. Trust me.
2: Oh right, that guy. Yeah, I remember.
1: Like everyone knows, this guy was a leftist. It's like, okay, what's your evidence for that? What has he said?
0: Yeah. He kind of just ignored Mussolini, <laughs> where all the important yeah. stuff.
1: Mussolini. Or like he got to Mussolini, but like he was saying, like pe- that there was someone before him. He and really, then, yeah, uh, he did. He did not talk about Mussolini very much, from my recollection. Yeah. In a lot of his, like, ideas that, you know, like, fascism is basically leftism is, again, on this idea that socialism is when the government does stuff and, like, socialism is state worship, which, like, in fascism is, like, the centralization of power. So it's...
0: I mean, there are definitely socialists out there who like the idea of the state, but, like, it's kind of a dumb way of putting it.
1: Yeah. Like, but yeah, Marx had no interest in the state. He was just worried. He was more focused on... Switching to a new system of economics rather than focusing on government.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But anyway, on with the idiocy of. Oh, this is very
2: quickly.
0: I think Peter Kropotkin actually called himself an anarcho communist. So he yeah. like,
3: explicitly took up Marxism. All right. Yeah. Dreamed up was all about the working class, the sort of blue collar worker who ironically voted for President Trump. But today's socialists couldn't care less no, about the guy on. in the hard hat. He had his chance at revolution and blew it. Today's socialist is all about race, gender, and transgender rights, Class is an afterthought. To understand really? this is to understand Wait. the left
0: second. T- Why are transgender rights different from gender? Why did he list race, gender, and then transgender? I mean, that just sort of seems like more specific than yeah. gender
1: and those things are like like even the, like those those ideas are more or less they're not necessarily part of marxism in general but like those but like marxists believe in that because you know like we need because
2: we're, but not, in his view, we're not
1: class reductionists you
0: so know? in his view identity socialists will talk about race and gender and, but they'll also talk about transgender rights in a way that's distinct from gender, I guess. Okay. Yeah.
1: But, like, he's also saying that class is an afterthought when it comes to Marxism, which is absolutely not true. That's really, that's probably the stupidest
0: thing I've ever heard.
1: Yeah. In fact, like, w- what we do is we acknowledge the role of class when it comes to, like, other, like, other forms of discrimination. Specifically against, like, black and brown people, LGBTQ uh, women. So like it's kind of like focusing on the afterthought, uh, or, or not not, not I, I almost said like afterthought. Or like, focusing on class like directly impacts you know like socially disadvantaged groups as well. Yeah, but like we need to we need to take further steps to make sure that they are actually enjoying their time yeah. on Earth. I I guess like I'm kind of a lot like yeah. other words.
0: To use some somewhat academic jargon, class is a huge intersection. Uh, you know, when race and gender intersect with
3: class, a lot of, you know, there's a lot to analyze as far as the oppression goes. Mm-hmm. Takeover of the college campus and all the ills that takeover has spawned. From Me Too to Black Lives Matter to girls competing against biological boys. But campus again, culture he has what? now- What? He did the same thing again. There's gender, there's race, and then there's transgender rights. metastasized into yeah. the culture of the whole society. As liberal writer Andrew Sullivan has put it, we all live on campus now. Identity socialism is for...
1: I don't know who Andrew Sullivan is. So,
3: so I, I just it. want to make a very quick
0: point. Hopefully it's quick. The idea... I, I don't think anyone takes up the notion that girls should be playing sports against biological boys. The notion that they take up is that girls should play with girls and boys should be allowed to play with boys. What counts as a biological male or a biological female is not as clear-cut as we might as we might like to think. Um, yeah. For example, uh, there's a long history in American hospitals of babies who are born intersex being quietly turned into either a man or a woman um you know and and being lied to their whole lives about it there's also a long history of uh babies who are born with a small penis being turned into a woman and that's true and you can look that up there's an actual diagnosis for it and it's called micropenis and the idea is that you know if they don't have a big enough sounds
1: like an insult rather than an actual medical term
0: yeah, I guess. But the idea that doctors have is that if um, the baby doesn't have, or if the guy doesn't grow a big enough penis, he won't be able to have normal heterosexual intercourse. So everything like f- from birth, largely what drives the idea of biological sex is
3: heteronormativity. Anyway, that's yeah. the that point. First and foremost about division. Not just class division, but now race division, gender division, transgender division. Transgender division
1: have you heard of something called the rainbow coalition we're trying to unite racial groups together in a class struggle like you absolutely yeah is he gonna make is he gonna make the point again about how i
0: have a feeling that for the race stuff he's just gonna bring up college campuses again and how like
1: And, and you see here again he's doing the thing you point out like gender division and transgender division
0: right like well I, I understand what he's doing. What he's trying to say is that the transgender discussion is different from the gender discussion. And it, and the reason he's doing that is because he's trying to say that transgender individuals aren't really men or aren't really women. It's really
1: gross. That's some turf shit. It is. Like, tra- like what trans-exclusionary radical feminists. I think it's the vision.
3: Blacks and Latinos are in. Whites are out. Women are in. Men are out. Gays, bisexuals, transsexuals, Mm -hmm. transgenders are in. Heterosexuals are out. Illegals are in. Native-born citizens are out. One may think this is all part of the politics of. that's, That's
0: so stupid. These groups, no, there's nothing anyone can do to like make irrelevant heterosexuality or whatever or to make irrelevant white men or whatever he's trying to say like these are the majority what the fuck is he saying i don't
1: know and like in his eyes is like the woke thinks that the only people who are actually good people are uh black trans women who are immigrants or
2: something right
0: the immigration thing is weird too because like you know I mean, what's the difference between someone who was born in America and someone who's living in America who wasn't born here? I mean, like, there's no difference is the answer. I mean, they're just human beings and where they're yeah. living what distinguishes them is like where they were before. Yeah.
1: And he's just, and he's saying that the left like is being divisive in this clip.
0: Yeah, so really? it's like distinguishing between native-born people and illegal people or whatever. That's really just a form of racism, because he's not talking about European students who overstay their visa as illegal. He showed a brown
3: family. I mean, it's clear who he's talking about. Yeah. ...inclusion, but to think that is to get only half the picture. The point for the left is not merely to include, but also to exclude.
1: Those are two very contra-contradictive statements.
0: But who, who does the left want to exclude?
1: Like white people?
0: That's absurd. (laughs) Like that's so, no one, I mean, the left I think is probably mostly white people. I mean, that would be my guess just because America's mostly white
1: people.
3: Yeah. So where did this identity socialism come from? From your brain? Nowhere.
1: From your ass. I from your yeah, I came from your ass. That's right. you, you pulled it out of your ass, Dinesh D'Souza.
3: Meet <laughs> Herbert Marcuse. Ass and
1: head are probably the same. Oh. Okay, who the fuck is this? Herbert Marcuse. I've never heard of this guy. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently this is... He's an old motherfucker. From... Jesus. Apparently this is the, uh, the Karl Marx of identity socialism in his mind.
0: Born oh, wait, in God. Berlin in
3: 1898.
1: It was like saying this is like where this is where it came from. Like, this is where I'd I it.
0: Oh, it came from, from Germany. All the bad ideas are coming from Germany, I guess. I don't know. Marcuse
3: yeah. fled Germany at the dawn of the Nazi era. After stints right. at Columbia, Harvard, and Brandeis, Marcuse moved mm-hmm. to California.
1: And yeah, just to put this out there like you mentioned, the Nazis, Dinesh D'Souza argues that the Nazis were really leftists.
0: So, why would he flee? Why would he flee Nazi Germany if, he, if he's a left, if he's like a social identitarian, whatever the fuck the word is.
3: Yeah.
1: These aren't smart people. They're just, they're just hacks.
3: Okay. But he yeah. joined the University of California at San Diego in 1965. You'd think mm-hmm. that living in a paradise like Southern California, with all the comforts and privileges of academic life, might have softened Marcuse's Marx-like hatred of capitalism. But it was not to I be. Would. If anything, the more he prospered, the more he wanted to bring the system down.
1: Yeah, because just because you're prospering doesn't mean that other people aren't or that most people aren't. I can just that's speak dumb. for
0: myself. Like for myself, like I come, I'm a white guy. I come from a, a pretty prosperous family. I'm a well-off dude. I'm not going to have to worry financially for most of my life. And that's, you know, a tremendous privilege. Yeah, I still want to tear the system down. It's pretty fucking shitty for most people. Like, I just left out, you know? And I imagine, like, just the, the argument that if you're privileged, you should like the privilege that you're getting is really kind of backwards and kind of selfish.
1: Yeah.
3: He had a problem, however, a big one. Socialism didn't work in America. Life was too good. The working class in the U.S. didn't aspire to overthrow the existing order. They aspired to own a home. How could you foment revolution without revolutionaries? Classic Marxism had no answer for this. But almost a hundred years after Marx, Marcuse did. The answer was college students. They would be the recruits (laughs) of what what he termed the great refusal, the repudiation, and overthrow of free market capitalism. Oh, I see. No, what this guy thought was that education was the answer.
0: Wow.
1: So basically, if you teach kids about Marxism, they're more likely to agree with Marxism. It's It's kind
0: of like if you teach kids about the round earth. They'll accept the round earth.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, this is like, yeah, okay, so, like, what's your point?
3: Conditions were perfect. The students of the 60s were already living in what was, in effect, a socialist commune, a university campus. Oh, come on, that's not a, so, you're paying for that.
0: How is that a socialist
3: commune?
1: Yeah, You, you, I don't think you would pay dues in a socialist commune.
0: I mean, maybe it's kind of socialist because, like, certain services. Well, no, not even because you have to pay for your food at the point yeah. of service.
1: I mean, so like, the, money the doesn't things,
0: even go toward that.
1: Yeah, the things that are provided to you at college that are free at the point of service, you pay for with your tuition dollars.
0: So right, that's, and, and, and that's just stuff like that's just stuff like classes and lectures. I mean, I can't really think. So yeah, it's maybe,
1: not technically free. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's not even really socialist. And a lot of, and a lot of the stuff that our tuition dollars go, go to don't even go back to us. It's a lot of just like profits. Very good point.
3: Very good point. Yeah. yeah. Rather than being grateful to their parents for providing them with this opportunity to learn and study, they were restless and bored. Most importantly, oh they were looking for meaning, a form of self-fulfillment that went beyond material gratification.
1: Is there anything wrong with that?
3: Already, he's trying to frame it as, like,
0: these ungrateful kids in the 1960s, you know, weren't, you know, they didn't, they weren't grateful that their parents, you know, broke their backs to send them to college.
1: I I mean... These are the same people that defend, you know, like, like, is like, oh, like, you don't know how hard it is being rich sometimes.
0: But also, like, Like, as if kids in the 60s and now, as if there aren't people paying for their own college, (laughs) like... This is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, and also like he's saying, like, oh, these kids were searching for meanings. Like, is there anything wrong with that? Like, that's everyone
0: searches. With... Yeah, that's something yeah. that you have to do when you're a person.
1: Yeah, and like not necessarily something that like you have to do. It's just like it's the natural inclination. That's human nature. Like, so is college just meaning... like
0: is college just like a bad thing according to Dinesh D'Souza? Because when people go searching for meaning, they end up finding Marxism. I guess.
1: I don't know.
3: <laughs> of course, as with all successful social movements, timing was critical. Here, Marcuse was very fortunate. The 60s was the decade of the Vietnam War. Students faced the prospect of being drafted. Thus, they had selfish reasons to oppose the conflict.
1: Yeah, because you don't want to be sent overseas to die for a fucking worthless cause. This is like... It's just like-
0: also like it's not just you that's being drafted it's your friends it's your siblings maybe it's it's people you know like it's not just all about i don't want to be drafted let's tear down the system it's yeah i think anyone should be drafted (laughs) like
1: yes and like saying it like basically framing it as selfish reasons to oppose the conflict i mean like who wants to get drafted
0: there's a, like, we haven't done the draft since the Vietnam War, and the only reason it's still on the books, I mean, I don't know why it's still on the books, to be honest, it's virtually, it's, it's virtually not a thing anymore. Because uh, we've all just recognized that it's a really horrible thing.
1: Yeah.
3: Marcuse and his acolytes turned this selfishness into righteousness by teaching the students that they weren't draft dodgers, they were noble resistors who were part of a global struggle for social justice. But Donald no, Trump is a chad.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> Donald Trump was a literal draft dodger. A lot of these kids couldn't dodge the draft. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, the, the book, um, The Things We Carry, you know, is a very famous Vietnam book. The guy was going to go to Harvard. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, someone who's going to Harvard, you would expect, would have the resources you would need to dodge the draft, and even he couldn't do it. I mean, it's it's a tough thing to do.
1: yeah. <laughs> But, like, Trump was able to do it because he had daddy.
0: Well, he- and he also had a doctor who was willing to lie for him.
3: Yeah. big part of it. ...Marcuso portrayed Ho Chi Minh and the Viet Cong as a kind of third-world proletariat, fighting to free themselves from American imperialism.
1: Maybe not American imperialism, at least at first. It was mostly against the French, and then the Americans got involved.
0: Right. What he's leaving out is all the stuff in the 1950s. That was really, that's what all the political, that's where you'll, that's where you'll find the political analysis, analysis of the Vietnam War is what happened in the 1950s. He's yeah. just like, like, at this point in the 60s, we were already in Vietnam. We were already helping the South against the North. And the Soviet Union was also already, I mean, it was, this is not the same conflict as it was before.
1: Yeah. And he's acting like, oh, like, they're anti-American imperialism. What stupid heads! Like, it's not like that didn't exist. But but also, like,
0: what? Like, being anti-imperialist is a good thing. (laughs) Like, like, and it's not self.
1: But but America's exceptional. So, like, they're they're not imperialist because they're America, right?
0: Right, right. Yeah, I guess that's the
1: argument. Are they lit like that's how they literally like justified torture during uh like the middle eastern conflicts like saying like america doesn't torture so like if we waterboard someone because america's doing it that's by definition not torture they literally use that reasoning so it's like you
2: awesome. know, it's
3: <laughs> yeah
1: american exceptionalism
3: This represented a transposition of Marxist categories. The new working class were the Vietnamese freedom fighters. The evil capitalists were American soldiers serving on behalf of the American government.
0: It was not really so personal as that, where they would call each individual American soldier a fucking capitalist. It was a commentary on the military and on the government.
1: Yeah, and it's not like Any, it's not like all of the American soldiers like champion the cause against the Vietnam. Like, he just mentioned that
0: college students were being drafted. He just mentioned that. Like, there, of course, there are people over in Vietnam fighting who don't support the cause.
1: Yeah. And like, you, like, if you look back at, and like, there's veterans now who do this with the Vietnam, like, or not the Vietnam War, but with like Middle Eastern conflicts where they like put on uh like an event where like all of these veterans who are against these wars like you know throw their medals away mm-hmm. and like that, that that was done a lot during the vietnam war so it's oh, not yeah. like it's not like the soldiers were like we saw the soldiers as like the evil capitalists we saw as the government or like we saw like the government who is deploying them to a country we had no business being in as like know, yeah. the evil capitalists v- so to speak
0: vietnam was also a really long conflict right i mean you said the 60s was the decade of the vietnam war it really started in the 50s yeah I think like the
1: late 60s 70s. was when it was like at its height and that's like when like social consciousness over the war was at, at its height as well
0: right but i mean the war bled over i mean in, in, I, I think both into those 50s and 70s yeah this is like it, it's not just like you know there's this war happening. So this guy sees the opportunity. I mean, this like, this is a long, this was a, this was in the national debate for a long time.
1: Yeah. And he still hasn't quite connected it to how like this connects to how modern, uh, you know, liberal movements are like, are, I don't know. Yeah, the like, Vietnam really War connecting like, this to modern liberal movements yet.
0: Yeah, the Vietnam War, I mean, it was,
1: I just looked it up. Yeah, it
0: went well into the 70s, like at least to 1975.
1: I mean... Yeah, Gerald Ford was like president when we officially left Vietnam.
3: Right, and I was
0: pretty sure of that, but I didn't want to say something wrong.
3: Yeah. Marcuse found, in addition to the students' other groups, right... For the taking, the first was the Black Power Movement, which was a militant adjunct to the civil rights movement. The beauty of this group, from Marcuse's point of view, was that unlike white students, its members wouldn't have to be instructed in the art of grievance. Blacks had grievances that dated back centuries. Through that's another Marxist transposition, blacks yeah, 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 would become yeah. the working class, whites the capitalist class. What? Because that's... This is
0: incoherence. White, he really doesn't think white students in the 60s had any grievances. What if they were poor? I mean, like, this is ridiculous. I mean, there's so many ways you could attack this framing.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I guess, like, the ruling class is majority white, but that that's not, like, necessarily an indictment on white people in general. He's he just, also just acknowledged he's putting that racism. words in our mouths. He
0: also just acknowledged that racism exists in America. Yeah some you videos say the exact opposite so i don't i just don't know about his own personal views but
3: yeah race and this analysis took the place of class another emerging source of disgruntlement was the feminists marcuse recognized okay. they too could be taught to see themselves as an oppressed class
0: drawings? look at those look at these cartoons they're all scowling one's crossing her like come on they're not even trying yeah.
1: It's, like, I mean, like, there are certain, like, there's certainly, like, a case to be made that, like, feminists are pretty, or, like, that women are pretty much sharing in the blood money that, like, we made against, like, when it came to, like, oppressing, you know, racial minorities. But they have their legitimate grievances as well.
0: No, he's just trying to make it seem like white men are oppressed, specifically. Yeah. He's, he's up these, like, angry-looking women. mm mm-hmm. Like I don't know why <laughs> to trigger his audience. I guess course would require.
1: I'm honestly surprised he didn't give him green hair. Or I guess he's talking about the '60s, so like that wasn't really a thing yet.
3: a further Marxist transposition: women would now be viewed as the working class, and men the capitalist class.
1: Because women are disproportionately no. in the working class.
3: But this is just like incoherent. The idea that like
0: Marxism replaced class with ident with identities. I mean that. Marxists
1: hate identity politics.
0: We should have pointed that out earlier. This is just like, no, class analysis never leaves
3: Marxism. That's like, I mean, that's point to the ideology. That's the whole point. Class, the class category would now be shifted to gender. Marcuse recognized that educating and mobilizing all these groups, the bored students, the aggrieved blacks, and the angry feminists would take time. But he wasn't in a hurry. Soon enough, the radical students would be the radical professors, teaching identity socialism to a fresh crop of impressionable recruits. Over time, Marcuse believed the university could produce a new type of culture, and that culture would then spill into the larger society to infect primary education, the news media, and entertainment. Even big business, the hated capitalist class, itself would succumb. He was right. Identity socialism has arrived. I'm Dinesh D'Souza for Prager University.
0: He's not going to list examples of big businesses becoming identity socialists? Yeah. Give any examples yeah. of that? Okay. It seems really stupid to suggest that this one dude from Germany went and taught at California and completely transformed single-handedly the university culture.
1: Yeah. the 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 appropriate response to that video could be. This is incoherent. Like, it doesn't. (laughs) Like,
0: students were bored because. I
1: forgot I I didn't have my sound on. Damn, I was trying to do the Norm MacDonald thing. Yeah. (laughs) That's twice that's happened. Hold on. Let let me me fix it. All right. All right. The best response to that would be. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but
0: like the idea that students were bored and because they were bored and needed fulfillment like this guy who was offering marxism they like just went directly to him i yeah. mean it's just like there are a lot of missing pieces here <laughs> it, it, yeah. like, it, it, you, this would get like an f if you turned it in as a college
1: paper this is horrible yeah <laughs> like you, you saw that thing Is like i turned in Like, I use Ben Shapiro arguments in my essay. Why did I get an F? Like, have you seen that? I think I have. That is very funny.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's, there's not really a whole lot. I mean, it's obvious propaganda, you know, he uses words like, uh, like infect and stuff, like to describe these ideas moving into the popular discourse. It
1: it has arrived. Or
0: like uh, ripe for the taking or something was, I think, another phrase he used to describe like the black militants. I don't know. It was, it was highly, highly disingenuous, highly propagandistic, as usual. You know, that's par for the course with PragerU. Yeah.
1: And, like, I guess he was, like, I think he was just, he was talking about the Black Panthers. Right, yeah. like the, Or, like, they were certainly part of, like, that, maybe that, like, that Black militant sect of the... Uh,
2: I don't know. Like, yeah, I was...
1: Civil rights movement. I'm trying... So I'm not, maybe he's trying to use that logic, you know, like, or, or that, you know, the Black Panthers were basically just the Black KKK, which is
0: far but, from but the then truth. He said that, but then he said that the Black people had a reason to be aggrieved because they were Black in America was the implication. Yeah. There's just, there's a lot going on there.
1: Or like maybe he's saying, like, yes, yeah, sure, like they were oppressed, but I really disagree with their tactics. They're being too violent and they're asking for too much.
0: And-, and then this like university professor was able to like go to Black Panther meetings or something and be like, Hey, look at Marxism. Like if someone did that, they'd be like, Yeah, we've looked at it. <laughs>
1: like, I mean, yeah, just- the Black Panthers were like a socialist movement in themselves. They didn't exist and then like became socialists, like like, Q.E.P. Newton was, like, a socialist. And, it, like, you know, Fred Hampton, one of the most famous, like, you know, you know, chapter, like, cert, like, individual, like, chapter leaders of the Black Panther Party. Like, he was a socialist. And, you know, like, if you watch, and, like, I like how they were very honest about this in the movie about, like, Fred Hampton. You know, like, they called each other comrades. And, you know, and, like. Okay, cool, they, yeah. Or, like, rem- I remember when Cory Booker... T- put out a fred hampton tweet that really cut off like the context of like basically when fred hampton said we can't fight capitalism with black capitalism we have to fight capitalism with socialism it's also like they use that and they use that in the movie
0: and he didn't like he he made a big deal about the transgender rights stuff at the beginning and then didn't
1: talk about it for the rest of the video yeah because like he was only really staying within the context of the Vietnam War, and there wasn't really a transgender movement at that time. Even the, like, it's just like they're, well, they're, like, I, or yeah, like the Stonewall riots were like started by like a, like a, uh, like a trans woman, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yes. Hey, what's her name? Martha P. Johnson, something like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Marsha P. Johnson?
0: What the fuck is her name? I'm going to up. And when were, when were the fucking Stonewall rights? I don't even know.
1: Uh, yes, Marsha P. Johnson. Sorry. Mid, late 60s?
0: Yeah, okay. I thought, that, I thought that's when it was. Yeah, no, the transgender thing. Yeah, that's been around since at least the 1900s. Um, and, you know, there are a lot... I mean, if you want to be real about it, it goes back as far as human history, the idea of people being born the wrong gender or something like that
1: yeah or like it's actually quite interesting because like it's not like society started out like super homophobic and we just progressed to this point it kind of came in waves because like the greek greek society was actually very open to uh homosexuality
0: well yeah it was like part of the social structure was that um you know like the young women like the teenage girls would be married off to like a 30 or 40 year old uh, the teenage boys would spend time with an older man, have sex with him, and, like, be, like, mar- mentored by him. And then they would marry, you know, once they hit 30 or 40 or something,
1: then they would marry someone else. They they would marry a teenage girl. That was part of the yeah. structure of Greek society. Yeah, there's th- there's some problematic elements of it, but, like, overall, like, sexual- homosexuality wasn't, like, looked down on like it yeah. was, and and that, like, it has I, been in no. recent history. Like, okay, I found a video called... Um, Dave Rubin's highest level ideas compilation. Oh yeah, let's do it. That's that would be. That's the thing we need to end end on. Yes.
4: The right ideas and the good ideas. Ideas, ideas, ideas. I like talking about ideas. We took the brain of a 25-year-old black man and the brain of a 25-year-old white man. What is it that they're doing? That different sizes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I have to say that my brain is still in recovery mode from taking talking to Stefan Molyneux
1: about race science.
0: No, black people's brains are not smaller. Holy
2: shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, uh, I need to see that again. But I
4: feel we took the brain of a 25 year old black man and the brain of a 25 year old white man. What is it that they're doing that? You know, different sizes. Yeah, Yeah. I have to say that my brain is still in recovery mode from taking in so many high level important ideas. Social justice as it infects everything
1: destroys everything.
4: Even though Jesus probably would have been okay, loved him, people, right. Muslims and, and well, that's he's right. around a lot of Muslims.
1: Okay. The, this is disappointing because I actually like Trey Crowder. Trey Crowder is funny. like you mm. this was back when like even like some liberals went on Dave Rubin's show just just because. But like they no matter like how left wing they are, they always kind of brought the conversation back to like uh well people are kind of dumb.
4: The Middle East, and uh, As I've said to you before, <laughs> authoritarians love authoritarianism. Shapiro, will you bake Ruben a wedding
1: cake? The answer is no. The very implication. <laughs> the thing is, like Dave Rubin is trying so hard to be friends with Ben Shapiro, and
0: he's just he's just like you're gay. <laughs> like
1: no, you yeah, no, you're gay. So that's not happening. Oh,
0: authoritarian. <laughs>
1: Oh, authoritarian. Yeah, Dave Rubin's
0: a real idiot. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that we exist to do things for the greater good is totally antithetical to the purpose of being human.
0: Balsar...
1: <laughs> and they listed it like it was an actual intellectual quote, but it's just like it's Dave like, Rubin.
0: But Aristotle has said the exact opposite. He said that the, that what it means to be human is to seek the highest end, meaning like the highest good. This is, Yeah. It, that in the Nicomachean ethics if you want to fact check me so this is like really really like profoundly stupid
1: yeah <laughs>
4: good is totally antithetical to the purpose of being human bolsar uh, bolsarnaro no movement goes on forever right you can't pronounce bolsonaro
0: yeah yeah that was really funny bolsarnaro <laughs> eventually it
4: either spins out of control in a horrific way or it it perhaps winds down or something in the middle if we were having an anniversary party. <laughs> deep thinker pause
2: <laughs> oh my god
1: deep thinker pause
2: whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you
4: yeah, honestly i'd have to think about it In the same so more... that's interesting to me yeah, so that's, I... that's that's a different thing i want you to continue to say you're, you're <laughs> a liberal that's... you're of great use no <laughs> way i'm not doing it for your use oh,
0: of me i'm doing, it, I'm doing it for myself
4: competition would start is that
1: basically the moment where he's like
0: Cut like, out the part where prager said you're great use to us because you're gay.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, his like his appearance you know what, on I'm Joe Rogan. Oh, I'm doing that. I'm doing it for myself.
4: Competition would start kicking in. All I ever wanted was exact equality under the law. Now we're equal. You yeah. could call me well, and that's what that's right like wouldn't me. mean anything to me between UPF. I remember when he said that.
0: Like, it was never against the law, or, like, what is that? The cause of a tag doesn't have anything to do with the law. Like,
1: Yeah, it's like, like we're equal now under the law, because... call
0: me tag, and I'll be okay with it. Yeah,
1: you know? it's... <laughs> what? I think that's when Don Jr. was promoting his book, Triggered. Oh,
0: dude. Oh, I forgot about that book.
1: Yeah, Triggered is, like, the next sequel. So, like, first you had 1984, and then you have Don't Burn This Book, and now you yeah. have Triggered. It's a it's a a nice neat trilogy, you know, like you have George Orwell, Dave Rubin, and then Don Jr. (laughs) Yeah, dude, the
0: intellectual giants of the last century.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, we didn't we didn't record our conversation about like George Orwell or whatever, like afterwards. Like when we recorded our episode our episode last week. Yeah, that was afterwards. We just did that just to have a little bit of fun. We watched like a reading group with like michael knowles and dave rubin discussing 1984
2: and i didn't didn't record that
0: that
1: sucks yeah that that would have we could have done a whole episode just about that
0: yeah because that's like one of the few books that i'm pretty confident in saying i know very well
1: yeah like it's it's very much not a right-wingers book all right. Yes and fedex and amazon and drones and blah 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 and
4: dhl your brain's got a lot of stuff in there 30 years from now i may have
1: yeah he completely ignores how much a lot of those companies and uh mails and like how and like th- like delivery systems rely on the on the post office he's like in that one he was saying like oh we could get rid of the post office and it would be cool he also
0: didn't realize like he he also said in addition like i ordered chicks and they were delivered through FedEx or something.
1: Or, yeah, he ordered chickens.
0: Yeah, Joe Rogan was like, that's impossible. <laughs> and then they... <laughs> FedEx doesn't deliver chicks, so it was the USPS. <laughs> Dave Rubin's own argument was just, <laughs> by his own experience.
1: And that's, the, and that's the thing, like, Joe Rogan is, like, the least confrontational person ever, for better and for worse. Um, like, for worse considering, like, the kind of people he has on his show every now and then.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: But, like, if like Joe Rogan is calling out on your bullshit, you know something's wrong.
4: moved you. I'm coming.
1: Oh, oh yeah. D- <laughs> the caption to this one: Dave's still not giving up. your brain's got a
4: lot of stuff in there. Thirty years from now, I made a moved You, I'm coming to an anniversary party. He would be unlikely that you'd move me, but I-, I can never rule out the possibility of being moved on anything.
0: Aww. <laughs> all right, all right like but
4: i believe that probably at 80 something years old then i'll go you know think maybe i was wrong on that so you have to confront them with these ethical dilemmas and usually you'll watch their heads explode uh, uh, why is it that we're able to do this and most people can't do this that's what i'm curious about. all
1: right that's it thank you everybody just one more thing, Dave. Don't be a coward. Hey hello. And Sam Cedar.
4: I want you to get absolutely wasted on facts until 3 a.m.
1: <laughs> Stop being a coward and debate, Sam Cedar.
0: <laughs> I want you to be wasted on facts.
1: That's that, that is better than my brain is still in recovery mode from all these high-level ideas.
0: He's the most sober man I've ever met in the worst possible way. It's just
1: not even based on facts.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <Bruh>. <laughs> I don't know. Like, if Michael Brooks was still alive, which sadly he's not, I would say like he would. I would get the most enjoyment after out of watching him debate Dave Rubin. Like, I want I'm, Sam Cedar to sure. debate Stephen Crowder. I want Michael. I wanted Michael Brooks to debate Dave Rubin.
0: The thing about Sam Cedar. And Michael Brooks, like Sam Cedar has like so much fucking knowledge about domestic policy and what goes on in the country, especially with like finances and whatnot. Um, So he could just totally destroy Dave Rubin on his points about, you know, American domestic policy. Um, You know, Michael Brooks knows a lot about that, too, but really where he could destroy Dave Rubin is in the foreign policy.
1: Or like, he could just destroy him just on knowing what the fuck socialism is, whereas Dave Rubin has absolutely no understanding of it whatsoever. I would just, you know, I would just really, like... You'd expect him to have at least a basic understanding of what leftism actually is, since he worked for a progressive news network for a short time. Is he just unable to learn anything? Well, I mean, he...
0: Apparently, he didn't do a lot of work while he was working for the Young Turks,
1: well, yeah, like, he had the one week, he had the, that one show once a week, I think it was. Yeah. I
0: think his husband was a producer, so his yeah. husband was involved, than he was.
1: Yeah, but, like, I remember when Anna Kasparian said this to Michael Brooks, like, the story behind it is like, so, like, Dave Rubin wanted a six-figure salary for his work on The Young Turks, even though, like, <laughs> sure. his yeah. show, like, he only did his show cool. once a week, and it, but it was, like, one of the worst-rated shows on TYT, and... But, like, when he said he was leaving, TYT was like, okay, you can leave, but we want to keep your husband because he's an awesome producer. So it's, like, <laughs> it's like that must
2: have hurt him.
0: <laughs> oh, dude. Dude, Dave Rubin, man. There's nothing really you can say.
1: Like, literally 80 IQ. Like, Jesus Christ. I sort of got it. Like, Like, if I ever debate anyone and they start reciting, like, Dave Rubin stuff, It's like oh like like it's like hey look at this Dave Rubin clip see I proved you wrong it's like it's just like all right (laughs) it's like I'll just leave it at that there's no point to take it any further it's just like okay this guy clearly has no idea what the fuck he's talking about so I'll just leave it at that
0: yeah dude man that was that was fun that was yeah. I went. Like, I like the parts where Dave Rubin says something really stupid, and then it zooms in on his face, like doing. Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah. Dude,
0: what
1: I say makes sense. Probably. Let's keep going. <laughs> All right. Uh, sometimes, like I don't know, I do have those kind of moments in which, like, I can just be on a rant, and like I'm not so much questioning, like, the content of what I'm saying. But I'm, like, I'm trying to, like, I'm questioning, like, the way I'm putting it. Like, oh, is it, what I'm that saying, happens. like, sounding intelligent. Like, is it too jargony? Does that it, happened to me at it,
0: several points during this episode.
1: I was like, yeah,
0: no better way to explain this. Oh, yeah,
1: like, especially when you're talking about, like, anarchism.
0: Well, you gotta you really got to call me out like that. <laughs>
1: yeah. But, hey, like, no, like, you, I'm not saying you don't understand what you're talking about, but, like, it's hard to put things into words sometimes. But that definitely yeah. wasn't Dave Rubin. He was thinking, mean, because, like... Whoa especially like with
0: there's, anarchism is just difficult because of how many different theories of anarchism there are they're really yeah. only unified by a couple of they're only really unified by a couple of basic principles i try mm-hmm. to extensive reading list or a list of authors i don't know really any, yeah. any respectful anarchist you find will probably be, be fine
2: yeah <laughs> deep
1: thinker <laughs> Or like, oh, and I guess the la- the very last thing we'll we'll do is a quick compilation of people dunking on Dave Rubin. Like, so we first watch Dave Rubin kind of fucking up himself.
0: All right, and then I really gotta go. Like, I yeah, to go like in
1: a matter of minutes. Yeah. All right. So, it was, yeah, no one respects Dave Rubin.
4: I would just say that uh, to to dumb it down just a tiny bit. <laughs> For the average folk, I would say that I think most people at this point think Trump likes America. And I think most people at this point think that the Democrats don't. We, this whole thing was a sham in the first place. Well, if you think that was good commentary and You'd be the only one. You'd be
2: the only <laughs> one. <laughs> you,
3: have, you have this on the right too, right? You're like, oh, I'm a former leftist, and then you just say a bunch of like right wing things. I'm not calling. bloomy yeah. right. uh,
1: Maybe you all know exactly who I'm talking about.
0: There's uh, a few
3: that could fit that. Michael bill, Brooks
1: actually. had a great
0: uh, impression of him. That's all I'm just gonna say. Uh, right there. I mean,
1: it's a 47 minute. <laughs> He's,
4: He's so on the phone
1: talk. for like five well, percent okay, of this Cannon, baby. I love interview.
4: You. Talk to you tomorrow, by oh. the way.
1: Yeah, like the time Larry King completely disrespected him <laughs> by like answering the phone on his show. If I were him, and this is why it doesn't count the probably wants to was... what'd you say? I just fucking
0: love Larry King. I was really sad when he died. He's like Yeah, he's an example of like a really like a like an old style broadcaster, like a like a, like a newsman.
1: You yeah. Know? And they gave his time slot to Piers Morgan on CNN. Which was so stupid. Piers Morgan. Yeah. Idiot. <laughs> like, Hi, I'm Harvey Weinstein. In for Piers Morgan today. <laughs> <laughs> remember that? The little <laughs> vaguely. I vaguely remember it. Yeah. Alright, I'll let be taken seriously. That would be the funniest thing that had ever happened to me in my entire life. I'd <laughs> yeah. be laughing that whole time. He's clearly smiling like, through the pain that
3: whole yeah. time. A- or... I think he was- I think he was, uh, dying inside. Yeah, I think he was a little- I think he's- <gasps> He was panicking. I, I'm yeah. disappointed that he didn't just- Because if this happened to me, I would have adored it. it. I would have right. been like, this right. is so fucking funny that I he think thought. he- I think he was dying inside and panicking yeah but, but we, he's not a comedian he's yeah, not funny right but yeah
4: we don't like have you know he has a serious show so yeah i don't know what that would feel yeah. like if yeah. your hero is just pretty much giving you the finger for like five.
1: is dave rubin conservative now is he like just like is that like because i don't i haven't been following i think him. that's pretty obvious so like is it like is he like out you no know you know what i don't think he's conservative i think he just he's just very pandering yeah, okay, so and he... the conservatives give him more money. I don't talk to him anymore. I, I haven't talked to him because he freaked out after I told him to just calm down. <laughs> what? <laughs> I what? Tweeted, I can't, you'll probably find the tweet, I'll probably send it to you okay. if I can find it okay. but I was like, yo, cause he was like, he always tweets about, like, people, like, hating on him and he's uh-huh. like, ooh, fuck you, or whatever and I'm like, why are you wasting your time with these people? they just don't, they don't like you Yeah. Right. and then he unfollowed me and then complained to Colin no
4: shit and he was like, I don't like Chris's, uh, I don't like Chris's behavior and I was like, you fucking pussy, <laughs> like, like, you like, pussy. <laughs> like Colin's your fucking dad?
2: yeah, like Colin's my dad <laughs> with Dave, um you know,
1: Joe Rogan really, I think, has lost all respect for Dave Rubin after that last appearance in 2018. When Joe Rogan loses respect for you, like, holy shit. Like, yeah, Joe Rogan likes everybody. And like I said, for better or for worse, you know, he, I think he needs to be a little bit more selective. But in general, I think he, he's, he's a good hearted guy who just likes people. <sighs> There's enough moments where he's misstepped. Where they just feel like, okay, we got a wounded antelope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're trying to pick him yeah. off. And- so
4: let me ask the question again Who is tolerant? Well, here's the surprise it's actually those scary right wingers that the media and the universities
3: demonize every day. Uh uh, just scrolling through.
4: A lot of sodomites, sodomites. Yeah,
3: yeah. There's a lot of anti-Semitism that I wasn't aware of until I said I was going to interview you. Like, people oh. are like, yeah, there's, there's well, some, there's some <laughs> assholes on the internet. <laughs> Steven said,
4: they hate Dave Rubin because he's a oh gay man with the wrong opinion. Pe- Dave Rubin is gay? No!
1: <laughs> I remember this one. I remember this one.
4: I did not know. I was in his presence. Will you make Rubin... Oh yeah, he got like a super homo. Like yeah, he was like a super homophobic
1: dude. I
2: think was another thing he said. Like Jesus. yeah,
1: he was like a super homophobic like preacher guy. Like that wasn't Jesse Lee Peterson who was on Dave Rubin's show. And he's like, I was in his presence. He has a husband. What the fuck? I
0: will say though, Dave Rubin is at least more intelligent than Jesse Lee Peterson. But Jesse Lee Peterson is at okay. least charming like, and funny.
1: Well, like dave rubin at least sounds more articulate than jesse lee peterson
0: well, you can just tell like you know from like an inherent intelligence if that's a real thing that dave rubin is like, there's something wrong with jesse lee peterson
1: Cognitive. i think he actually had like a head injury when he was younger oh, that would make sense yeah a wedding cake so i so the answer is no
2: yeah, and the reason is. I
4: won't is because as a religious Jew, I yeah. I do not participate in activities that I believe are sinful. If we were having an anniversary party, would you come? You know, honestly, I'd have to think about it. I'd have to think about it in the same <laughs> so way. So that's interesting to me. Yeah, I, that's that's a different thing. Well, it, not really, because Back <laughs> that, we'll talk yeah, we've to got, you. Uh, but Dave, if you're we're interested, interested, we're gonna right, yeah, I'm we're gonna, gonna burn everything down. People won't. I gotta it.
0: cut you off, Dave. All
1: right, Dave. <laughs> They're a corporation. They don't give a fuck. They just want to sell chicken sandwiches. They're only trying to sling chicken sandwiches. I'm not. I'm going to Dave Rubin. I'm going to make them in my home. Good. Good. You and your fucking husband, who's probably so embarrassed. That poor guy. God only knows who Dave Dave Rubin married somebody who's probably stealing money from his bank
2: account. And Good for him. <laughs>
4: If the dial of ideas was turned to low for the last few years, it's quickly moving into the hot position. The dial is moving because the conversations we're having here are finally starting to leak out.
2: Oh my god.
1: (laughs) Everyone disrespects Dave Ruben.
0: Because he's just so obviously an idiot. Like, holy shit. (laughs) Yeah, so this is... um, (laughs) This has been the podcast, right? This has been the Left Lane Zoomers. If you enjoyed it, yeah, nice. I'm happy about that. And if you did, <laughs> well, all right. Oh, fuck it. you. Yeah, yeah, I guess you can go fuck off. Or, or yeah. not, I don't know. You can stick around. I don't care. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's it. That's the show. Have a fantastic day. Yeah.